let's start the show. It's June 13th, 2013. Welcome to This Is Only a Test, the official podcast of Tested.com. Smith, directly to my left, Norman Chan. Thank you for introducing me. How are you doing, sir? Um, well rested. That must be nice. That's good. <laughs> well, That's I funny. went from having four hours of sleep the night before to six hours of sleep. See, it's amazing how when, you, when you're in a desert with no water, the smallest sip makes you feel better. Yes. Uh, to your left is, uh, is uh, Lloyd Case. How are you doing, Lloyd? Yo, I'm waving everybody. Hi. Hi. If you're watching on video, you can see Lloyd wave just then. Um, what's, uh, what's new in the case world these days? Not a whole lot. I mean, it's summertime, right? So both my college-age daughters are more or less home. Actually, my wife went off to pick up my older daughter this morning. Okay. Uh, down from L.A. Oh, cool. Driving down to right. just a, as a bonding trip? Well, uh, you, she's got a lot of stuff to haul back. So. Uh, oh, the dorm. Is it dorm or no, apartment? apartment? Okay. Apartment, yeah. um, you know, you can send directly to, you can send to text or something. You can, like, <laughs> I, I'm doing there, that right now. Feature. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm saying I can't talk. Uh, it's okay. We figured it out. Um, we were in LA yesterday. Norm and I were right uh, for the E3. electronics arts electronic entertainment what expo. You, you guys went like a day after the big press conferences. So what did you actually see there? Well, so I, I went on Sunday night oh, and did. went to the press conferences. Okay, okay. it's, it's um, been a crazy week. Yeah, it's yeah. been a crazy week since we last podcasted, which was last Tuesday with Gary. Uh, we podcasted with Gary before all the big announcements. Since then. Uh, there have been big national and international news, um, and then they're in, in the technology world. Well, and uh, the international news was in the technology world, too. Yes, and then on Monday, we had three big press conferences, and then we were actually on the floor yesterday to see a bunch of stuff. So let's just get down to it and talk about all this Are we going to talk about NSA? Are we going to start it, with on, that? It's on the list, but it's not. I don't know. If, how, I, what, I don't know that we're qualified to talk about that, frankly. Well, not that that's right. ever stopped us before. <laughs> Let's let's get that out of the way. Okay. Um, I, I, as I'm sure many people are aware, uh, last week a uh, the Guardian newspaper in London um, released a story uh, of a leaked document from the NSA. Uh, Our fascist government is spying on us. That's what you're trying to say that, slowly. That said, there's a P, I guess it was a PowerPoint presentation uh, that said the NSA has a program called Prism that theoretically taps into the servers of nine very big technology companies. And then since then, information came out that shows that it's actually a much more, much larger, potentially right. a much larger list of companies. So, And at the same time, the companies involved have said, no, they don't have a direct access. They have to go through some sort of channel to get the information that so they're asking there, for. So there's some discrepancy between what this presentation says, uh, what the companies themselves are saying, yeah. and also what could be the, the overall picture. I mean, NSA and the government spying on U.S. citizens and uh, non-U.S. citizens is nothing new. Well, no, no, the NSA is not supposed to spy on U.S. citizens. That's the that is their mandate. They are not, for not supposed to. CIA without, and NSA are for external are for external use only. Without uh, or or just people in the U.S. Yes. Maybe not. Maybe not. They, US can, they, they Na- theoretically foreign can spy nationals, on foreign nationals that live who are, in the U.S. or living in the U.S. Um, but after you know, ten years ago, uh, you mean the nine eleven? Yes, and the Patriot Act. And the Patriot Act. Uh, many reports have come out of you know government agencies just being irresponsible with 
their surveillance capabilities because um, they're run by people. Well, it also goes, I mean, I think, I, I can't, was anybody really surprised? I mean, really? Well, the, I mean, we, 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 we went through this before, because in 2007, right. um, remember the, the, I can't remember what the act is, but there was, a, there was basically a law that was enacted yeah. to non-indemnify right. the telcos for cooperating with federal, with potentially illegal federal wiretaps. Right. So as we understand it right now, there's a system in place, a procedure in place, where the NSA and CIA can request uh, information uh, metadata, data, as Obama said multiple times, from companies, and companies can they can appeal, but most likely a court uh, will t- force them to give hand over the data mm-hmm. uh, with due cause, and then that data can be used theoretically is used to enhance security. Uh, but the speed at which that data is handed over and in which that process happens is pretty much it, it, it's not the old, you know, send a letter and, and subpoena someone and then get some right. information. It's, no. it's, it can be very automated. Right. Um, to that, the point that they're requesting millions of times a day from some of these companies, it seems like, right. including Verizon. And, 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 and so that is where the, the, the semantics comes in. It's not technically a backdoor access. They still go through procedure, but the procedure is very, very easy. It's, 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 the procedure is it's akin expedited. to buying stock online you know, right. with, the, with the expert right. trading systems. There's no actual human intervention right. saying, oh, maybe we shouldn't do this particular one or whatever. Right, because they're doing billions or right. billions a, uh, a day, in the, some the, cases, uh, the, or a month, the, rather. The other side of the coin, though, is that collecting that much data and trying to actually make sense of it, I mean, so it, what that actually means is that it's unlikely that your particular email message or voicemail message will get heard or read. But, but they can have easily, I mean, just like Google scans emails right. for advertisements and, and machines so do that's that. That's robo-scanning. Robo-scan. I mean, I'm sure the government can have robo-scanning, right. scan well, the stuff they get from these companies, and then also pick out things. And I mean, it's all stored. I, I think someone described it as, you know, it's like, it's like an iTunes library. You can just right. call up phone well, calls, yeah, order phone calls. And once the information's stored, then then the, the challenge becomes not collecting. The, collecting the information's the hard part. Right. Storing it and indexing it and searching it is is less of a challenge and one that we've already solved as a as a technological species. So, I mean, I think the argument against this is that in a world where in a country where it's impossible to know all the laws, like you and I know, right. we know what's right and what's wrong. We don't know what's legal and illegal in many cases because right. it's very complex. Um, when you collect that much information about citizens, and it's not probably a problem for right now, but right. it becomes a situation where anybody can be arrested for I, anything. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you. I just, uh, I think to some extent, it's just a little, the hysteria is a little overblown, but I agree with you in concept. Uh, it's interesting and somewhat ironic that this broke in The Guardian, even though it was an American writer that broke it. Yeah. Uh, well, because, of course, England has had the Official Secrets Act and spy cams everywhere and all that stuff. They've been living with this stuff for years already. Well, and the I think the reason it broke in the Guardian is originally the the guy who leaked it. Uh, Glenn Greenwald. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, no, not the guy. No, so, he, so he was Snowden the was the leaker. He was the guy who reported yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. Was, had pitched it to a couple of other papers in the U.S. and they wouldn't run it as as he wanted. Right. So um, it's a fascinating story. Like Did I you said. read about how the, the whole thing went down, the the whole the meetup and the, the no. reveal? Was there like was there like a secret garage? Was there deep throat style garage Pretty access? Much. He he reached out to uh, the Guardian or I think uh, Washington Post. He wanted some Washington legitimacy. Um, mm-hmm. And it ended up story. running in the Post. Yes, yeah, so it was a cooperation. It was yeah. a, a story run by both Guardian and the Post, and also documentary documentary filmmaker who had done uh, works about you know security rights and stuff. Uh, but after they went through lots of vetting through the editors, he invited the the writers um, over to Hong Kong. Where he's at, because mm-hmm. he left the country, and it was a whole, you know, 
go to this hotel, ask loudly for directions to another part of the hotel, and then you should see someone holding a Rubik's cube, and that is that <laughs> wow. is the contact, and right. then and then meet me in the hotel room after that. Wow. Yeah, the um, whole the whole it, it, the whole meta story behind this reads like a bad spy novel. Yeah, yeah. It's something Dan Brown. Real, wrote. real life right. is a bad, very bad spy right. novel. So I, I mean, the takeaway for me from this is that that collecting this information isn't probably bad for us today. But the question I ask is, if Nixon had information on every phone call that was made in the United States and, and email existed, then every communication you, if he could have read every letter that was sent in the United States in 1960, 1969, 1970, do you think he would have? Could he have? Well, every single could, he would have found the people that, <laughs> if he could have gotten the, the email from his enemies, from people right. on the enemies list, he would have definitely known. Right. Um, so, so you have to look at, like, this is, this is a thing that once it exists, will exist forever. Yeah, and, and I don't we think the public understands right. really uh, what, you know, what being surveilled means in terms of digital surveillance. Well, uh, and, and yeah, and I think in one respect that that'll be a positive thing, because right now people, uh, people are kind of crazy about privacy. They have, in, in the sense that they, ha they, they, they talk about privacy, but they don't live it. Yeah. I mean? So I, I tend not to put anything on the internet that I don't want everybody to see. That's always been my policy. Yeah, some people are, you know, the people who are outraged about the government tapping into their emails also put all their information on Facebook right. and, and Google. Right. Um, I, I mean, the, the thing for me is that this, like, here's the thing, if there's a world with no privacy at all, and everyone is under the same standards of no privacy, so that we know everything about the president and the head of the NSA and the people right. that are working there in the same way, I, I actually think I'm probably okay with that. I think that probably ends up okay, but we don't have that world right now, right. And, and that's not a thing, that is not a thing that can exist today, yes. and until that is the case, then I think that we need to protect yes. our privacy pretty If we're going to have a panopticon, let's have it be a multi-way panopticon. <laughs> I couldn't have said that better, Lloyd. Um, and now is the right time for everyone who has been listening and fuming about all the inaccuracies to write their yeah. letters. Angry comments. Angry you comments. can post them on the internet. You can there threaten you to bomb us. The NSA will know. It's cool. They, they know <laughs> it about everybody. I mean, we're good. Um, speaking of, do we want to talk about the, the console stuff or the WWDC stuff that's next? Let's do WWDC since that was... You think that's that, the big one? That's most relevant no, to No, no, that's the one the that Norm is most passionate about. Oh, right? okay. <laughs> Norm has strong opinions. Yes. Um, so WWDC keynote was, it seems like a week ago now, but I think it was the day before yesterday when we were recording this. Monday, right. 10 a.m. Um, Pacific, and yes. this is the first time that Apple has done a keynote since last October, September, October, when they announced the iPad mini. So they've been radio silent, uh, for announcements at least, for many, right. many months. So I was at the Microsoft Xbox event at E3 when this was going on, and as I was looking around, most of the people that had laptops open were on WWDC <laughs> live blogs. Um, no surprise. Multitask. We were invited to one of those two events, so we went to the one we were invited also, to. Also, it's, it's one of the first times they live streamed. Uh, no, they always live stream WWDC keynote because, the keynote. because yeah. yeah, because they can't get, because it sells out so fast, they what want they developers do, to have access to What they haven't done in the past is like what Google I.O. does and streams every single session. I don't think Apple does that. With they WWDC. say the sessions won't be streamed, but they'll yeah. be mail available. Okay. Yeah, there's, a, there's basically going to be podcast feeds or right. something like that on the developer okay. channel. So WWDC um, streamed live, two-hour keynote, and it was... You had. It's the normal of, format. Yeah, it's very, very, very. Look at how good we're doing. Format. The stores are awesome. Yeah, right, right. Look how great we're doing. How many units we sold. How much we've paid developers. Uh, here's a new store we open. Here's a video we've made of the new store we open with a mm -hmm. pop song, and <laughs> and then let me introduce Eddie Q to talk about some stuff. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, 
It was interesting it's to me that, that has worked well. Like the the stark contrast between Apple's way of getting developers pumped up at developer conferences and then the the now notorious Balmer developers 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 screaming rant <laughs> um is is always fascinating. So like look, we're going to give you a boatload of money versus well, I'm going to yell at you and get real sweaty. <laughs> So, um, um, so big going, announcements. going into WWDC, the anticipation was that pe- people were hoping, since we are in June now, yeah, there could be there have been no new iPads this year so far, no new phones this year. We knew iOS seven was coming out; that that was much right. everyone expected. Yeah. Um, we knew that there would be some new Mac stuff coming out, but we wanted to see maybe some some interesting new hardware, maybe a new I category think, or something. Right. They don't really do that at WWC. They do new product categories right. at their own special I think, events. I think the only surprise was the Mac Pro. I think that surpri- took everybody off third. I, yeah, I think I, I wasn't expecting to see that until later just because the Haswell desktop stuff isn't right. really readily available right. so, to everybody else yet. Hardware. Uh, new MacBooks Airs announced. Only mm-hmm. the Airs. Right. Um, and they, don't, they didn't even do like a stealth you know, MacBook Pro on all, you know, spec bumps, which right. they sometimes do. Well, the, um, the Airs had the big, most to gain because they're primarily integrated devices. And the, the Retina MacBook Pro, the 15-inch one, has NVIDIA graphics. The 13-inch one could actually, I, I think, could have benefited from Haswell, um, the 13-inch rec- Retina and Pro. And sometimes they, they do those announcements just silently. Yeah. They'll do yeah. a press release and update in the store. Stores down, stores back up. New products without doing a big show about it. Right. Uh, Air makes sense because they're a little beholden to uh, Intel's schedule for Haswell. Right. And so copy checks uh, happened. And there were all the Haswell stuff was lifted, all the mobile Haswell stuff. And so right. the new Airs, annual release, you know, same design as basically uh, two years ago. Well, it is interesting. Apple made the announcement about the new Haswell MacBook Airs. And basically, they're the only major PC manufacturer that has. I mean, we have smaller companies. The Taiwanese, some of the Taiwanese companies have announced. Yeah. But uh, you're talking about in terms right. of Ultrabook category. Correct. Uh, ultralight, but we uh, haven't seen Lenovo. We haven't seen HP. We Correct. haven't seen Dell. Yeah, and um, Lloyd, you think that is because they have more qualifications? Yeah, I think I think the big companies they also hold their fire until the back to school season. You know, okay. the, we'll see announcements in July. Okay, and oh. Intel is very very tightly knit with Apple now. I mean, they're, they're one of the biggest customers. Yep. Um, so that that all makes sense. But it's it's yeah, you're right. A, a company. That traditionally makes that makes chips for PCs and laptops, and that overall is a still a huge market. Right. If you the only place to get a Haswell laptop right now in store, Ultrabook class is, is going to Apple Store. Right. Uh, so two MacBook Airs. Well, they're going to have the Asus and the Acer yes, models at Best Buy and stuff like right. that, right? right. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, today. And oh, right. Um, well, I think the Asus and Acers are in Best Buy now. They Haswell announced ones? them last week, and they, they said, did. I, I, I don't they, remember if they said I shipping. In, I never uh, walked I into Best Buy. I can go look while you guys keep talking. Yeah. Um, two MacBook Airs announced. Uh, update to the 11 inch. Update to the 13 inch. Uh, nothing. Uh, no Retina, as, as people had maybe hoped for. Right. Um, the big selling feature this year is longer battery life. Right. Um, and which is derived from using Haswell, the power efficiencies in Haswell. So graphics are bumped Haswell up a little is bit. Fourth gen Core i3. Right. right? Fourth, fourth gen, gen Core. Okay. Core yeah. processor. So you had Core. Um, so no, Best Buy doesn't have which yet. was Conroe. Okay. Core was Conroe. Conroe, Nehalem, then Ivy Bridge, Sandy Bridge, right. yeah. I, which was kind of tied together. And this is the fourth one. Um, so what you had then is you have Haswell. You have the uh, low ends and high ends for that, the, right. those models, um, a i5 and i7. I think it's a 
three gigahertz for the low end. I can't recall. But and, it's um, HD forty four hundred and HD five thousand. Right. For the graphics options. Right. Depending upon whether you got the i five or the i seven. Oh, I, I thought they were both five thousand. They're not both no, five thousand. No, one of them's a forty four hundred. Oh wow. Well, because the eleven inch is an i three, isn't it? No, they're both they're both, they're both, both yeah. the 11 inch and the 15 inch have the exact same CPU. Specs. Are you going to change your order? Um, <laughs> no, no, no. But I, I, 11 inch is the way to go. Uh, both the, uh, uh, but in terms, of I, they have two CPU options. You have the i5 or the i7. The i5 starts at 1.3 with turbo boost up to 2.6, which is a lower base clock than the pre, the Ivy Bridge um, i5. The i7, I think, is still 1.7 or 1.8 gigahertz, which is the same as the Ivy Bridge and Sandy Bridge right. uh, clocks. Um, and that the price difference for that is 150 bucks. Right. And like you said, then you also get the uh, HD 5000 boost. No iris in the MacBook Air stuff, so you're right. no real gaming graphics. So to, to sort of clarify what all it means, if you see something like HD 4400 or HD 4600, it basically has two sets of graphics computation, two slices, Intel calls them. The 5000 has three slices. It's the GT3, but it's the GT3 lower clocked without the embedded DRAM. Oh, so this is so that's kind of equivalent to ATI's uh, um, render. Uh, I can't remember what they call them, but they're 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 modular graphics design, right? right. Basically, or NVIDIA's. Yeah. Is, it, is that yeah. a straight up 50 percent improvement from 4600 and 5000? I don't know. It's hard to say because the the 4400 and 4600s they also added 25 percent more execution units per slice. Okay. So uh, one of a non-tech reviewed a non-Apple, I think, that had a 4400, and it was like 15 to 20 percent faster in games than the 4,000 was. Okay. Uh, so you figure add another slice and you'll probably get another 15 to 25%. percent mm-hmm. um, So in, in addition to Haswell, uh, SSDs were bumped up. So now the base is 128 gigs and you add 200 bucks, Yay. I believe, for 256 gigs. Mm-hmm. 128 is wonderful. Right. I, think, I think you could... V- no more 64 gigs. Operate, yeah. Yeah, 64, 64 gigs is unusable. That's, is that what you have or do you no, have the 128? I have, I have 128 on my uh, two-year-old MacBook okay. Air. But, so... Uh, so I have 256 on mine, and it's essentially like I don't I don't, don't need think to, about it. You don't need to put storage in. I, I do. I have. I usually carry an external hard drive that's like a terabyte external hard drive, just for things like that are huge, like video. raw video right. and stuff like that. But for the most part, I work off of off of the yeah. 256 right. gigs, and I always have 60 or 80 gigs for you. Which and is the way Mac like OS works is they have a large a large paging file because right. uh, they offload because. Stand, most of those Macs have eight, four gigs of RAM. Right. You have the option for eight gigs, and a lot of them for a long time had two gigs of RAM. Yep. But the memory, memory management was such that they would just dump stuff onto a disk. Um, and, and so if you ran a computer without restarting it for a long time, you, all your hard drive space could be just you know consumed, consumed yeah. until you rebooted, and somehow you'd get an extra 20 gigs back. Right. Um, so great, two hundred fifty-six gig or one twenty-eight two fifty-six SSD, PCI and now the SSC. Yeah, that's right. It's S, uh, PCIe now and not SATA. And so, what are the benefits there? More speed. So it's a, just a faster. It it's is a, faster. It's less mediated connection. Right, right. Right. It'll take advantage of the faster um, SSDs that are coming out. It, is, that, is there any uh, physical hardware changes in terms of layout? Then, is, is, well, is for it, the pictures that I saw, I think somebody had a picture of a, of a mainboard on one of the systems. I can't remember which one, and it looks. Uh, nearly identical to the MSATA one they had before. It's just okay. a different electri- electrical it's interface. probably keyed a little differently, too. So right. a different yeah. connector, different controller. Yeah, but from a distance, I mean, the card was the same shape. Yeah. Okay. I wonder if that means that, that now those cards will be... Because I, I, I know for a while people were selling third-party MacBook Air mm-hmm. SSDs right. if you wanted to put something huge in your system. But I don't know I don't know if that's going to... If this is going to hinder that or make it easier. Because I know that the... the I, I think it's going to be a wash. I mean, there's no... Like, it, it's slightly more expensive to do that. Okay. Yeah. Um, th- yeah, pay the extra money up front 
to, to get your larger SSD. Right. But uh, I mean, my, my rule on Airs is that, and Ultrabooks in general, is that you should buy what you want to have for the entire life of that device. Mm -hmm. So anyway, um, so Airs, I think that's, I think we've hit the high points there. We should talk about the Mac Pro. Oh, well, 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 oh. also they changed the RAM up in the Air. Uh, it's a different type of DDR3, I think. Oh, it's faster. Faster, it's faster, yeah. faster. faster it, and a little the, more power efficient. The Haswell memory controller is specifically designed for higher speed DDR3. Okay. So otherwise, it's the same thing, same resolution screen, same form factor. I bet if you put a Sandy, or an Ivy Bridge Air and a Haswell Air next to each other, you would not be able to tell difference. Um, if you put an Ivy Bridge Air, you would because of the USB 3 port. It's not blue. Um, and... Is yours blue? No, it's oh, not blue. So not blue. So I bet they don't I, do blue Ivy points. Bridge, <laughs> Sandy Bridge, and uh, it's Haswell will all look the same. Does the Actually. new Air have the faster Thunderbolt controller? The one that does no, the it, it doesn't have Thunderbolt two yet. Okay. No Thunderbolt two. That's one of the reasons, by the way, that the the Mac Mac Pro isn't actually shipping now, because they have to wait for the chipsets for. Oh, okay. I wonder about that. Uh, there's also 802.11 AC on right. the new Air. That's good. Yeah. yeah, and they announced a new um, Airport Express to take advantage of that. That's good, right? Um, uh, have you ever used their their? So I've been using Linksys or, or ASUS routers with uh, with the DDWRT yeah. for years. So I've never I haven't used one of the Airport Expresses since probably the 8211G days. I, I kind of feel like I should get one of those and try it out and see how it see how it, like see see if it actually works for people who don't use Macs exclusively because right. that was always the knock against it. I have a Netgear router. Yeah. Um, Mac Pros. Apple this announced is a, a new Mac Pro. Wow, really? Which is the first time, uh, which they had hinted at for a long time. I mean, it's time. Tim the, the, Cook at All Things D yeah. said, it said they, would, you know, they are not ignoring the Mac Pro. He said uh, last year, and he said that they, he also announced that they would be making a new uh, system in the U.S. Right. Not just assembled in the U.S., but parts also manufactured in the U.S. Uh, um, so no Foxconn, or is there Foxconn, Foxconn in the U.S. Has now? Foxconn actually okay. has a plant in the U.S. now. Um, but, I mean, Mac Pro is way, way overdue for an upgrade. It, the, right. the case is 10 years old, like, just physically. Well, I mean, the thing but is... But the, the parts size, are four years old. Right, the size of an oil can now, right? Yeah. Well, I love that case still. The old right. case? The, 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 the existing right. case. Yeah. Love it. I, I mean, it has so much aluminum in it, though. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. Silverstone well, has done so well so, ripping it off. So the new, new Mac Pro has some interesting innovative features. It's got a central cooling well uh, with one fan. So it's cool. almost like a, like, a, like a data center, like a, like a server rack. Right. Kind of cooled the same way, right? right? Yeah, yeah, with the three cards, the, the, the main CPU card and the two graphics cards kind of in this triangle inside the can. It's tall, right. like, and wrapped around a cylinder. Uh, it looks like a, a trash can. Wrap around it. Yeah. It looks like a fancy trash can. You pay 100 bucks for it. <laughs> So is it there. really a tube where air just goes through sh straight through the center? Yes, pretty much. Hmm. Um, and, and you know, they've, I'm sure they've tuned the acoustics of the fan and all that stuff. Uh, there's positives and negatives. The main negatives is that expandability is a problem only through uh, Thunderbolt and USB. So there's no eSATA. No, is there FireWire no 800 even? Uh, no. There wow. Is. Yep. And also there is, there are six Thunderbolt ports though. Well, that's a lot. So, and, and actually, the Thunderbolt ecosystem is such now. I've been looking at this because I have a MacBook Air with Thunderbolt. Right. And it, it, like, it would be nice to have a FireWire 800 port for video stuff sometimes. So, right. you can actually buy docks that are still, I would say, fairly expensive, but not not ridiculously expensive. Well, and there's a lot of there's a lot of FireWire audio still out there too. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the RAID the RAID controllers for FireWire for right. Thunderbolt are actually coming down right. uh, now as well. That's and you, you can find single drives too. Now. Yeah, for display and all that right. stuff. Now, but the but uh, the one of the big problems I see is that the graphics cards, which are AMD FirePro cards, mm -hmm. are not interchangeable. You can't swap them out. So they're permanently embedded right. in the system. Right. Wow. So that's you know they're they're really high performance GPUs and all that jazz. But I think there's a problem with you know you can't go with Nvidia. You can't upgrade them later. So or whatever. So what's the market for a Mac workstation at this point? Is it video? 
video and audio editors and pretty much and because I mean if you're doing Photoshop work you can use an iMac at this point right or or a Mac Mini and whatever size monitor you want. Mm -hmm. um, well, the Mac Mini is a little underpowered for Photoshop. Okay, so so get the 27 inch, the 27 -inch iMac and call it a day. Mm -hmm. um, like. I gotta assume no pe people aren't doing much CAD work on on Macs at this point. No. Um, so then maybe the, maybe the Fire GL cards are okay if maybe that's as much as you need. If Fire you're, Pro. Fi Fire, Fire Pro. Sorry. Is, is, you're, that's, you're that's your age. Fifteen years old. Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe that maybe the Fire Pro cards are, are okay for the market that's going to be interested in a Mac workstation. Yeah, that Ars Technica article you guys linked to had a couple interesting points. So a lot of the Pro graphics guys uh, now use NVIDIA cards because they use CUDA on a lot of the particularly the higher performance stuff, high, what they call high performance computing, okay. uh, which a lot of workstations are in fact used for. And so that's not so an like option anymore. big data problems. Now, I could see somebody doing something crazy like building a cage of NVIDIA-based um, Tesla-style units with a you know, Thunderbolt, Thunderbolt link to it. Yeah. Right, or I multiple thund Thunderbolt right. links, right. yeah. And Thunderbolt right. 2 has bandwidth to support that. Right. Uh, but you know that you won't be able to like, natively stick an NVIDIA card in there. What um, Or anything in there. Right. What's the situation with OpenGL? I mean, it seems like CUDA won the OpenGL versus OpenCL versus CUDA. No, I think stuff. that's still evolving. I think long term, OpenCL will eventually take over. But OpenCL is still immature, particularly. And the other comment, of course, on that ours article is that the OpenCL drivers for AMD are very immature. Mm -hmm. The driver stack, not the API itself, and so you know you have crashes and performance issues and things like that. And for the kind of people that are buying expensive workstations, they don't really like crashes and right. performance. Plus, bottlenecks. the, the CUDA OpenCL transition hasn't happened for a lot of the proprietary apps. The, the things that a university might right from scratch. Okay. Well, because, uh, I mean, NVIDIA invested heavily in that stuff early on. Right. And by keeping it closed, they yeah. were able to go much faster than they would be if they had to make everybody right. agree. Right. From the perspective of, like, a prosumer user mm -hmm. who might buy one of these, it's probably not an issue because a lot of the things like Photoshop are going with OpenCL and things like okay. that. Okay. What, what about, um, what about like, the video transcode apps and stuff like that, like the fast video? Because I know that oh, the, oh, the... I don't the, know what the Mac ecosystem has for that. I know that on the Windows side, you, you're starting to see a lot of OpenCL options. Okay. They still have CUDA. They still have... Uh, they still use uh, DirectX for mm -hmm. some of them. They still use the CPU for some of them, but there's a, there's now increasingly an OpenCL option as well. Okay, interesting. Um, they didn't talk about when this would come out or later right. this year or pricing. It's probably because of the, they're using Thunderbolt 2, which is doubles the throughput of the current Thunderbolt interface. And Intel officially announced Thunderbolt 2, but they said it wasn't shipping till later. Did they specifically say what generation these chips would be, the CPUs would come from? Or no, they, just they, said, they said 12 core Xeon. Okay. They didn't say whether those 12 cores was on a single CPU or more than one CPU. So I, there's I, or at least chance, I didn't get that. There's a chance that they could also be waiting. They, they couldn't just make the announcement for Intel, right. but for the Haswell Generation Xeons. I got to imagine these are Haswell Generation Xeons. You, yeah. don't, you don't relaunch the, uh, this product with so, year-old CPUs. Right, right, right. And plus, on top of that, they're, they're going to want as much power efficiency as they can because yeah. this little thing's going to generate. You don't want to generate all that heat. Right. Yeah. It would be like a little tornado blasting air straight up if it's... If right. it's if if it's right. Ivy Bridge. And I'm sure they're not going to do that. Um, well, I think the GPUs are going to generate more heat than the CPU anyway. Fair enough. Um, is the new Thunderbolt, is Thunder, Thunderbolt 2, 2 is essentially two PCI Express lanes, or is it double speed, single PCI I Express lanes? I don't know. I just know that Intel is saying it's twice, as, twice the throughput. Okay. You know what this also means? That f graphics on um, or gaming on desktop Macs is kind of hit a dead end. Um, because a lot of people have Mac Pros, and they you can there's select Radeon cards, consumer Radeon cards right. they can put in there, mm -hmm. and they're using Steam for Mac and playing high-end games on. They'll still be able to do this. monitors. Um, Why not? But you can't upgrade. Yeah. It. 
Well, yeah, but I mean, you're talking about something that I think is equivalent of a Radeon 7970, right? So this can be pretty fast. Two Radeon 7970. Well, no crossfire, I don't think. Oh, no crossfire on Max. I mean, but that's the that is their their dead end then. I mean, unless. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, if you look at the situation with the with the console market now that we know what the next gen consoles are, th- there's no there's no surprises there. A right. 7970 is going to be capable of playing these games for a, four or five displays. years. Right. But nobody's you're not going to be playing anything at 4K, dude. Well, you may all. not. I, I want to. <laughs> I know you want to, but I mean, I totally want to fill one hand with wishes and the other with Titan cards and let me know which one fills no, up money. first. It's empty, well, the, empty pockets not, of money. Not until 4K displays are a thousand. Five thousand dollar 4K display, two Titan cards, three Titan cards. Thousand bucks each. You can play 4K I, I, at eight thousand dollars. So we're gonna see Norm next year panhandling. <laughs> right. Need 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 GPU. So the question. I mean, but the thing on that is, even getting a three GPU system to run reliably. Because we used to do this when we were at Max PC. Mm-hmm. It was a real pain in the ass. Right. Like you had to have the exactly the right power supply, exactly the right RAM. Right. And a Titan or a GTX 780 equivalent, and if AMD ever ships one, whatever yeah. that equivalent is. Will drive uh, certainly a 2K 2560 by 1600 display just fine. Yeah. Been playing games, unless you're doing something crazy like trying to turn on AA on Metro tw- Metro Last Light, but that's a different you, animal but, entirely. But and the and and the other thing about when you're running at that kind of resolution, AA is a lot less important than it right. was at, at 1280 by 720. Depends on the age of the game. It's interesting. That's true. So I just booted up for Grins the original Mass Effect game, mm-hmm. and you know low polygon count games. You want to crank. On the other hand, you can't crank up the AA in those low polygon count games yeah. because they're low. Yeah, they're they're super fill rate. Right. They're, they're they're not not at all fill rate limited. I guess right. they are fill rate limited. And you have plenty of fill rate. And right. so, so some of those old games are just coded in not efficiently. Right. No scale as well. You, let's get a quick detour because you haven't been here since you reviewed the uh, GTX 770 right. for us. Right. And we talked about it briefly in a, a previous podcast. But uh, this is the card that you would recommend to people building a new gaming PC. Yeah, the 770 is really a GTX 680 that's somewhat souped up. It's got this really high speed seven gigabit per second memory. It's got two or four gigs of that, okay. depending on which model you get. It's slightly higher clock rate than the GTX 680. Uh, it's got more modern interfaces. It's and it's uh, compact, relatively compact and cool. Uh, so it's a really sweet card, and they're charging three fifty to no three ninety nine for it, which so, is wow. basically the what they were charging for the GTX 670. So, so it's cheaper than what the 680 was, you know, two months ago. Right, but. You're talking about it's it's still the same architecture because it's not 110, it's still 104. No, it's still the GK 104. Yeah, and this is the first. This is weird because typically Nvidia does a 80 launch, like a 680, 580, right. with their new architecture, and then they just take out some cores and lower right. the clock rate or the the, the yeah. clock speed for the 70 one. Here, right. the 780 and the 770 are two different architectures. Right. The 780 is basically the GK 110 uh, with fewer cores, and also they've cut the double precision stuff by even more. But the double precision is much less important for games than it is Correct. for compute stuff, right? Yes, it's only used for compute stuff. Um, so I'm, I'm a, I have a 580 at home now. I, the 770 looks like the card for me to upgrade. Yeah, to. it's substantially faster than yeah. the 580. Excellent. Um, do we want to talk about OS X? Uh, yeah, let's I'm continue a, just to with, be clear. with no, WWDC. It's, it's Mavericks, plural? Mavericks. It's, the, it's named after the break where the big wave competition uh-huh. happens okay. in between Pacifica and it's Half Moon Bay. It's close to where you live. It's right. it is a, I can ride my bike from there wow. to there okay. if I want to die. It's a really scary road to ride a bike I think on. It's, I think it's a great naming scheme, and I think that really? it, it is an elegant transition. Really? Yeah, no, I think it's an elegant transition from... This um, is the part of that that you liked, and you didn't <laughs> like the other part? Yeah. I think it's Jesus, a, uh, From cats, I think 
cats have have had their day. I think doing something similar, another like family of animals, uh, would have been like not as cool. I thought Sea Lion was much better than Mavericks. No, you thought it was real, which is different. Put on your aviators. Well, I was watching a live blog while I was watching really? the Microsoft press conference. You guys are like talking about code names and it's ridiculous. Over code names? I, really? I think that. Really? For, well, have you ever have you never been here before, Lloyd? Code I, I think Mavericks. I think Mavericks sets a really neat precedent. And it totally ties into designed in California. Welcome. I can't wait for OS designed 10 by, California Adventure. Well, designed by Apple in California has been on every Mac product or <laughs> Apple product for oh, oh, years oh, and years. It's OS 10 Knott's Berry Farm. <laughs> you know what? That's for the unimaginative. Uh huh. That sounds like a very unimaginative okay. name, and I think OS 10 Humboldt. <laughs> that that would be great. There you go. Okay, I mean, I guess they know their market. Yeah. yeah. Um, Chico, OS 10. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> OS 10 South Central. I, I'm sure there will be an OS 10 like Lawrence Livermore hmm. Labs or something. There will be an OS 10 La Jolla, and it'll be spelled the right way, and nobody will know how to pronounce it. And right. you'll have some guy in Indiana going and go, I need the copy of OS 10 La Jolla, please. <laughs> Um, I think they're, they can take they, they, there are lots of things in California that they can take inspiration from, and I think it'll be a fun guessing game. People already hate California; they're going to really love this. Um, so I think the people who hate California probably hate Apple. That's possible. Subset. Um, so let's talk about OS Ten, Mavericks. Um, <laughs> it, it's. I think it's um, interesting that there are a lot of things. It's a lot of like. As with every OS 10 release, yeah, hundreds of small little updates, okay. really cool updates. Some stuff that some you, stuff that's completely useless. Some like stuff completely useless. iBooks. Some stuff. Yeah, I think the stuff they present on stage is way more useless Maps. than the stuff that actually all the <laughs> behind API stuff that they're going to put right. in. Um, but what's more telling is what they didn't put in here. There was no no touchscreen support, which would have been a, a huge. That huge overhaul. Yeah. Well, th did they say no touchscreen support, or they did they just not say that there is touchscreen support? I think if there was touchscreen support in, I don't think they would announce no. touchscreen support until no, they have hardware Apple, to support. Apple, yeah, that's yeah, right. What Apple will do is they'll announce some kind of laptop with touchscreen support and then say they invented yeah. it. Well, yeah, absolutely agree. <laughs> it's, now, it's, I, it's beautiful and magical, and, and you can use and 20 fingers on this screen totally, at once. It's a brand new thing. Totally ties it's going to completely change the way people use their computers. And it totally ties into uh, hardware too. So. You know, they made the decision with the MacBook Airs right. to maximize Haswell by using by extending battery life. Yeah, we didn't talk about that. That was kind of an important part. Maximizing, of the Haswell double, thing. doubling, you know, on paper, doubling their battery life. Right. What is it? Twelve hours on the thirteen inch, nine hours on the on the eleven inch, which would be amazing because I get maybe two and a half hours. Right. The on, other, the other piece of that puzzle, people think about you know using it for nine hours. The other interesting thing about that though is that when you shut the lid, yeah, it, it, it'll hold its. It'll you'll have yeah. juice a month later. And, and the on even on existing MacBooks, even from two generations. Ago, Go, the idle time has been great. Right. It's and like idle two times maybe on yeah. ultrabooks today on the PC side are great. Right. You know, you could you could close a uh, Lenovo Yoga. And I never turn off my yoga. Yeah, you yeah. you either plug it in, you know, to charge right. it, or you have it just in idle. Right. Um, and it's taking advantage of the, the architecture. That's great. I I don't think there's any touch touch would require like Will said a huge hardware overhaul. Mm -hmm. Because it would be you're about increased costs, probably change in design. Well, the other thing is they just updated those iMacs. Like the the thin bezel on the new iMac, I would be shocked if they can support a, a touch touch display and, on. And right I right. bet that they probably have touch prototypes that they've experimented with mm -hmm. in house. But I don't think I think they want to tell a different story than touch on PCs. Right. They want to tell different. They want to come up and say on, on stage and say on the PC side, you know, our competitors have had touch because touch was a big thing with Windows 8, and they'll show like straining arm 
arms and no one wanted to touch their screens, and they want to do something different. So they've had patents, you know, with IMAX to you know put the IMAX flat on a table like Lenovo does, and they'll claim they invented that. Right. Um, and I bet you know. Or they'll have a fold-over design like the Yoga and say that. Yeah. Are and they'll say, oh, yep. now, but their hinge is better and more right. sturdy. Yeah. Um, the hinge on the Yoga is just fine, mm-hmm. and on the Helix also just fine. Um, but that's them not wanting to invest all these resources right. and release it this year so they can stagger it so that when they can, you know, next year or year after, right. they can say they did it right. Um, so no touch, but what you do have in Mavericks um, on the uh, interesting uh, architecture side is a lot of power conservation. Um, well, let's take advantage of Haswell, right? And, 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 yeah. and, and memory management. Um, so you have like well, so the memory management is the least sexy, most exciting thing that they can talk about on a stage, right? Least sexy to talk about on stage, but most exciting s- stuff from a, you know, stuff you don't know is working on behind the scenes, right? Um, like if if it works the way they said it does, and I haven't downloaded the developer seed yet, and I don't know that I'm going to for a little bit because. I like living on the edge, but I like living <laughs> on the beta two or maybe beta three edge, not the beta one edge. Um, like the, the the app lag that happens. One of the things you notice if you use both Windows and OS ten regularly is that there's very frequently, especially when you're doing stuff that time memory use, a fairly substantial lag launching new apps. And uh, it happens to me when I'm, say, rendering a video or rendering a podcast, which is a memory intensive thing. I have a four gig system here, and um, being able to being able to to make that app switch happen more fa- more quickly is a is a good thing as far as I'm concerned because something that doesn't happen on my Windows machine. Of course, in fairness, my Windows machine is like a 12 gigabyte of RAM, you know, hexa core, and this is a dual core, um, right? You know, four gig system, but still. Yeah, they they have things called you know compressed memory priority reduction, and you know all their energy optimized. You know, audio buffering, idle hygiene, all that stuff. Idle super, hygiene? yeah. They, they idle hygiene. They super unsexy. Idle hygiene, <laughs> like I D O L or I D L E. I D L E. I'm wow. that's creating bad visions inside my brain right now. Yeah, I feel like I need to go lay in a corner and scrub. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but I think that all these all these power efficiency and it's right. not going to be in. Like if you buy a, a MacBook Air now, you don't get Mavericks because right. it's not coming out in the fall. Yeah. It's going to compound with the Hasbell stuff. Yep. So it'll probably well, and, and and to be really perfectly uh, balanced about this, Windows 8.1 is going to have a ton of stuff built into it to take advantage of Haswell as well. Yeah, the the low power state stuff especially. I right. know. Um, we'll build is next week, I think, or week after next. So oh, we'll no. be we'll we'll we're going there too. We're, oh, okay. we're we're equal opportunity. They'll talk about all the Windows 8.1 stuff there. I'm sure. Right. Hopefully, it won't rain this year. Well, it's, I mean, it's just down the street at least. So, oh, okay. Yeah, because it's, it's Moscone it's again. It's the same building. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the minimum time that, and Google that Moscone allows that Apple will allow another tech conference to occur <laughs> in this in this space that they have reserved for the next forever. Um, on the feature front, do we want to talk? Oh, uh, multiple monitor support? I'm sorry? On the feature front? Um, yeah, I mean, we can talk about multiple monitor support. Like, they are doing this in a granular way that is... I, so I used to be a real huge multi-monitor guy um, back when big displays were really expensive, were prohibitively expensive. Mm-hmm. I had two 22 or two 24-inch monitors on, right. on my desk at all times. Since uh, since 30 and 27-inch panels have gotten under a grand, that that has that I think just get one huge panel rather than like the the day for no, multi-monitor no, no. three oh. huge panels. Oh, that's cra- huge that's panels. that's crazy, Lloyd. <laughs> I, I think the, the interesting thing actually for... no. I, I, let me argue about this for a second. Okay. I will agree that three 30-inch panels kind of you get this sort of 
data center submarine warfare. Yeah, it's mode. like you're a, a day trader. Three 27-inch panels are actually much more compact than you think they are, particularly since they're 16 by 9. Are you doing them vertical or horizontal? doesn't matter. They still take up a lot less room than you think they are because they're now 16 by 9. Oh, okay. So, you know, 27, 16 Well, they take the same amount of width. There's not the same amount of height. Right, right. But they, they visually, they take oh. up into your eye, they look a lot less bulkier than three 30-inch panels. Well, and if you buy three of those Korean panels... Then, then, like you're spending the same thing I've spent on my 30 inch monitor, probably. Right. right. Um, I don't think mo most people are buying multiple big screens. Mm -hmm. I think it makes more sense on the mobile side where you're plugging one screen into a laptop. Right. And when you do that now, you either close your laptop, you don't use both those screens because there's a lot of inefficient ways that they manage spaces. And, 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 and I think that's the multi-monitor support that's right. going to really benefit. So, so the thing that they've done with multiple monitors and spaces and mission control is the stuff that they broke when they introduced spaces and mission control. Uh, so previously, if you'd use the virtual desktop feature, which they call Spaces now, mm -hmm. uh, you could control each monitor independently of each okay. other. As soon as they introduced mission control, that stuff all went away. So they all got grouped together. So your left monitor and your right monitor have the same, uh, are, are bound to each other as one space. Okay. Um, so if you wanted to change, you couldn't have one virtual desktop on one monitor and a different virtual desktop on another monitor. Okay. And now all that, now it seems like that's much more, you have much more granular control over okay. that. Um, I think that's probably okay because the people who are interested in virtual desktops are probably competent enough using computers that they're not going to get confused by that and, and lose stuff. Right. Um, I think if you start delving into, into spaces and mission control, you're probably pretty hardcore. Um, I think that's good. I'm, I'm interested in it. I'm very skeptical of that AirPlay display claim. Uh, I don't know if any of you have used the stream, mirroring. the mirroring or, or second monitor right. AirPlay feature. It is incredibly laggy on my Ivy Bridge laptop. Oh, um, like you make YouTube video when it will not play? Um, just in general, like the mouse the, lag. the mouse lag, the yeah, desktop experience lag. is bad. The compression is kind of crappy. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think it, you have to really think of it not as a second display, but more as a, like a you know a projector. And a place it. to display, yes, like uh, PowerPoint presentation. Keep your email up there or something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. But but if it, if it's a place for me to display my aperture, like to show the final edited aperture photos, I'm not cool with it being compressed and laggy. I mean, it, 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 this seems like something. Either they're doing something different that they didn't actually get into well, remember, the press they, conference. Well, remember, they've got. Uh, are, are they using the 802, full 80211 AC bandwidth for that for the new one now? Uh, well, they can't use the full because it's probably shared with all the other stuff. It may work better with a AC. No, what I'm saying is you're getting more bandwidth anyway. But right? the Apple TVs are still N. Oh, okay. So, I mean, my Apple TV is wired in. I'll get an right. AC network Although, and try it. I have to say, though, that the Apple TV, I've experimented around with the Apple TV uh, and the second display feature, and it is incredibly laggy. It's actually worse than it is with Wide Eye. Yeah. So, you know, Intel actually did something better than Apple. Yeah. Figure. I... I I mean, part of it's because with the Apple TV, the AirPlay stuff only works over wireless. Mm -hmm. So um, your wireless network, is right. yeah, direct device device. It's, nice. It is not direct device device. So you have two. It's a double connection. So maybe they have a direct a direct signal, a direct connection now. Right. Um, I, I don't know what I don't know what it is. I can't imagine you could actually use that in a desktop situation. Right. That's that's all I'm saying. What about the um, keychain? Uh, the keychain, as somebody who happily paid a hundred bucks for 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 one password years ago, and and is never going back, uh, uh, a a Apple ecosystem specific version of that is a very low value to me because I use multiple, I use Windows and Mac, um, low value and you, Android. But for some other people, if you are if you are if you plan to only use Apple devices forever and ever, then you should definitely do that. It's free. It's great. 
But if you if you ever use Android, Windows, Windows Phone, anything that's not Apple, you should not put your passwords into Apple's ecosystem. They didn't talk about pricing either. They just said also with Prism. I don't know that I trust Apple, Microsoft, Google, <laughs> Amazon, um, and whoever else to hold my passwords. Uh, they didn't talk about. Um, they said this fall for release um, for OS ten. OS ten Mavericks. Yeah. The, so the, there are a couple other things. The notification, the granular notification control, and the ability to reply to stuff from notifications looks great. They took out the the fake, the dumb fake leather from calendars, but otherwise left it more or less the same. It looks like um, tabs in Finder. They're putting maps, Apple Maps. I mean, they're doubling down on Apple Maps. Say what you will. I. I the other day on my iPhone, I had Google Maps and Apple Maps navigating me to the same place, and they gave completely different directions. Of course they did. It was fascinating. I highly encourage anybody <laughs> to do that. If you want to see, if you think we're crazy about the Apple Maps being bad, Apple Maps tried to send me down a one-way street the wrong way in downtown San Francisco, where you would think that they would have that stuff figured out. Um, and, then, and then tried to make me a couple, had, had me make a couple of illegal left turns, uh, whereas Google Maps sent me in the right direction, didn't try to get me killed. So... Um, I, I mean, I guess it's good that they're doubling down But maybe down that was maps. deliberate, Norm. It's possible. <laughs> it's po maybe it is. Um, uh, and then the Finder tabs, I think, are good. I don't know. I don't know that tags in the OS is something I'm super excited about. But maybe, uh, maybe it'll be different when I get there. But having multiple tabs in Finder and not having 50 million Finder windows open sounds great. Uh, the big Kahuna. You want to go to the big thing from WWDC next? iOS seven flat icons. Yeah, so I got to admit, I fell asleep. I was watching this keynote at like 11 o'clock on Monday after all the, all the uh, press conferences, and I fell asleep. So I, I haven't seen the iOS right. portion of the keynote yet. Um, <laughs> it was the biggest stuff. I know. It's I should have fast-forwarded. Biggest change to iOS. Um, that Berlin Apple store looks awesome, though, right? It's like <laughs> in an old castle, it's a and there were a bunch of happy Germans there. And it was they, wonderful. They, it's a theater, and they do concerts Yeah, there. exactly. It's yeah. all where all the cool kids in Berlin hang out. Um, the control center thing looks awesome. Let's just start. Okay. We're gonna start with, let's start with features and then do. let's have the design conversation after sure. we've gotten through the uh, meat. New features in iOS 7. The big thing, control centers. Instead of, in addition to swiping down from the top of your screen to get notifications, which I thought was a, a great idea on paper, but a feature that I, never, I rarely use now. You have to really curate those notifications for them to be useful. Um, now you can also swipe from the bottom up to get quick access to uh, settings like airplane mode, uh, brightness, music playback. Yes, that's great. Um, and, and this does not replace the double tap on the home button for your multitasking. For the task switcher. Or right. the, I guess the task switcher. Um, but this control thing also... Um, you can activate it from the home screen, the lock screen, okay, as well. Oh, really? That's yeah. good. I mean, uh, this seems like the kind of thing. So anybody can, if like, you don't have a password. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, well, but the stuff that's on here, you'd be able to play music, and I guess you could airplay an AirDrop, but that's it. Um, this seems like the, this. This is. I'm going to go ahead and say the thing that everybody who uses Android phones has said, uh, which is that this is a feature that should have been in iOS for a very long time. Well, the other feature that I liked that I just learned about was the fact that you can now block phone calls by number. Thank God. Yes. That fax machine can never bother <laughs> me again. Wait, wait. Block phone phone calls by number. So okay. So you can say yeah. don't this number this number calls me. Just don't answer. Never ring. Never ring. Yeah. Oh, that is wonderful. Because you know you have no idea how many fax machines are out there that just keep dialing and dialing and dialing. Oh, and dialing. I have this. I have this non-English speaking woman who somehow got a hold of my um, 
Google Voice number, which is tied to my oh. iPhone, and she calls me like daily. And, and not only I do you get the phone calls, you get the vo- Google Voice text. That's right, which actually is indecipherable. cannot tra- because she's not yeah. speaking English. Yet. Well, you can, you know you can turn you can put her in her own list in Google Voice that just yes, never. I rings need to do and, that. I just haven't I haven't like, okay. even looked at Google Voice. I forgot even I had a Google Voice number until she started calling. That's me. my work line. Oh okay. Yeah. Um, if, if, if the number if it doesn't recognize the number, it says, "Hey, I don't listen to voicemail messages. <laughs> don't leave one. Send me an email." Okay, it's the best thing ever. Anyway, yeah, Con- this control center, um, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, airplane mode, do not disturb, uh, rotation lock, brightness control, which is very good, especially on iPhone. So uh, music playback, AirDrop, AirPlay, flashlight. They, they uh, took, I don't know what the timer is. They took a bunch of the features that you would get if you double pressed home button and scroll to the left. Okay. Um, oh yeah. And they just put it in a separate menu that you right. can swipe up. Well, and then a bunch of stuff that wasn't easily accessible that you had to go into settings for. You mentioned AirDrop also. Um, th- now there's AirDrop. There is still no... About time. Uh, there's still no, um, whatchamacallit... Um, device to device? No. What is the technology that... Uh, NFC? NFC. There's no, still no NFC? Well, they'll, they'll announce that with new hardware if new hardware decides to support NFC. I don't, yeah. I don't know if they'll do that anymore because this AirDrop does it over Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi Direct. Peer-to-peer. Or Bluetooth. It says Bluetooth or also. Bluetooth. Um, the AirDrop stuff is interesting because like, they, what they said is specifically anything that uses the share button API will have access to AirDrop. Right. So that means your apps that already support, that already have a share button, an Apple share button, not a proprietary one, should just work with AirDrop, right. which is good. What are the other features? Um, the, remember the thing we came across earlier today, the uh, uh, game controller API? There's a yeah. game controller oh. API. This is fascinating. So yeah, you can which, plug your Xbox controller into your iPhone? Well, they're not being that specific about it, but there's going to be an actual game controller API so that third-party hardware guys can design actual game controllers for your iDevice. That's fantastic. Plug in right. to the, the new or, or work over Bluetooth or work over whatever. Boy, I wonder if you'll be able to even do like Arduino-based stuff with the Bluetooth controllers. Gosh, and, I mean, that be cool? That would be amazing. You could make your own Nest Pad. Yes. Well, there's no, no real <coughs> details on it yet, but it's, it's interesting that that's going to be there, so that makes it even more of a gaming device, particularly iPads. I, I mean, as well. that that is, if you look at the the iPad and iPhone, uh, the iPad mostly, let's say, as a gaming device, the lack of physical controllers makes a large portion of the gaming world off uh, inaccessible. Virtual analog sticks suck. It's the worst. <laughs> we, we should talk about that Halo dual stick, not no stick shooter in a little <laughs> bit. Um, There's also a flashlight built in now. Flashlight's built in. Okay. I still think that's kind of useless because it's like bright enough that you can maybe find your keys if you know exactly where you, know you drop them. You'd be surprised how many people use that. Better than nothing. Yeah. Um, notification center. They're they are they. It's pretty clear that they realize that there's a problem with notification center, and they're breaking it out into three different parts. There's the what's going on today, which is reminders, meetings, stuff like that, uh, and then there's the complete list of notifications. Which unless you go through and remove everything that tries to add notifications for you from that list manually, right. which takes a really long time, right. and I do it once or twice a month, um, that notification pulldown is pretty useless. They also have the missed stuff, which is missed phone calls, missed uh, stuff that you didn't look at. That if you right. look at that, I guess will be useless, and if not, it'll probably match the all list entirely. Right. So and this now all appears in the lock screen in a new and well-designed way. Uh, yeah, so it pops up in the lock screen in a predictable. Because right now you say I want it to show up in the lock screen, and then nothing ever does, or very <laughs> few things all, do. It's, it's the it, it's it's not hierarchical. I, we should look at our notification paint, our notification settings after a while. Because I bet mine is my, I, mine is really super trimmed down, so it's actually stuff that I use. Um, and that actually made the notifications kind of useful, but it took it, it takes a, a ridiculous amount of work, more way more than it should to make that happen. Uh, there's a feature called activation lock. What is activation lock? Activation lock is if you lose your phone or if someone steals your phone, um, un- un- 
if and someone tries to wipe it, mm-hmm. they can't activate it. Oh, so um, it makes stolen iPhones useless? Stolen iPhones are useless. So now. it's the thing that the carriers in other countries do by default. Like if you right. if your phone is stolen yeah. in Australia, you call the phone company, they lock it. Yeah. So it will never activate you again. You need to and sign into your Apple ID account to right. unlock it so you can activate it. Well, oh, that's really scary if Apple doesn't have their security stuff locked down. Well, it's only if you... No, think about Matt Honan. Never forget Matt Honan. <laughs> well, I, that, there's that, just two-factor now. Huh? That just went over my head. Okay, so Matt Honan was the Wired reporter whose Apple ID was hacked last year. Oh, that um, story. Okay, yes. And right. once they got access to his Apple ID, then they were able to wipe his phone and Mac right. and all the other stuff. So now they'd also be able to render his iPhone useless, which, I mean, I don't know if I'm going to sign up for that one. <laughs> it seems like a good idea, but dot, dot, dot. Um, some of I guess things, they have two-factor now, so maybe yeah, that's exactly. better. Um, uh, unlimited tabs in Safari, so you have more than eight. Oh, yeah. Eight tabs Thank open. God. It's always like, I always have between seven and eight. I don't like eight because if something automatically pops up a window, it kills another one. And so uh. unlimited tabs open. This, Safari also looks a, a bunch different in terms of the way you manage your tabs. Do you guys still use Safari on iOS? Oh, yeah. Really? Lloyd? I've tried using Chrome, but Chrome interface just seemed a little clunky to me. It's a little that. slow. If you don't, if you haven't jailbroken and done the done the JavaScript hack, right. did they mention that? I guess they're not going to say, "Hey, by the way, we've been screwing all the third-party browsers all this time." But um, they also uh, uh, redid multitasking a little bit. This was a big deal, I think. So not only is the multitasking display different, it looks everyone is quick to point out, it looks just like the WebOS cards, where if you, you know, it's a, it shows button, a picture of the app. You get not only the icons, but you get yeah. an image of of what the app the right. state looks like. Oh, you mean like Peak and Windows? Or yeah. Pikmin Windows, <laughs> or OXO on the on the Cydia App Store, yes. the jailbroken app that um, does the exact same thing. N- not only that, though, but the way uh, applications uh, are maintained in the background, um, there are APIs now that track which ones are high priority and also kind of keep track of when you use them. So mm-hmm. if there are certain programs that you use only in the mornings, then it will it will know to kind of throw that into a background process in the morning and then kind of put it into a safe state. Okay. And other times, uh, which theoretically improves battery life. All good refinements. Yeah, they are smart refinements. Um, uh, do you want to talk about maps? Uh, has walking directions now. What else? So I, you can walk off a cliff instead of drive off a cliff. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, it's <laughs> <Yep>. a train. <laughs> Wait, what? Uh, long um, MMS support. The camera app they've updated, which is the first major redesign that's had in a long time. Well, it's not about redesign yet. Okay, well, so the camera app has been updated with new features, including the ability to take square photos and ruin your pictures with too much contrast and stuff like that. Filters. <laughs> um, they, apparently, they're making it a little bit like they looked at the the the. It looks like they're reducing the number of clicks it takes to get into the different right. modes for your for your they, they, like panoramic stuff like that. Instagramification of the iPhone camera. They you can take yep. square Polaroid pictures oh. with your iPhone camera now. Oh God. Yeah, that's what I said, too. Um, uh, and no live uh, widgets on the home screen. You know, your home uh, screen. Let's talk about it for a second. Let's back up for a second, because, you know, I, I think they could have added some useful features. You know, remember when they added Panorama? That was yeah. really cool. Wouldn't it be great if they had, like, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, the ability to do the stop motion, or what do you call it? The, 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 the stitching. Time lapse? No, time lapse. Oh, yes. yeah. That would have been awesome if they could yeah. add time lapse that. Or no. Lloyd, Lloyd. There's an app for that. Uh, yeah, right. Or what? No, there's an app for that. I'm just about adding. Yeah, no, yeah, 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 absolutely. Let's let's get crazy and and I mean, what if they um, split focus lock and there exposure, you go. exposure lock? Right. Yeah, or that, or what about? Uh, um, you don't have to surface these to most people. You can have them as an advanced yeah. feature. Yeah. Right. Right. 
Um, they also did photo stuff. One of the one of the big pain points for me on iOS is that if you use Aperture iPhoto, which are Apple ecosystem products, theoretically that stuff should should sync across the the mm-hmm. phone and the right. and the the Mac app, and right. they don't. And it seems like they talked about making all these great ways to organize your pictures that live on your phone. Uh, without talking about any way to get that across to some place that you can actually use it for real stuff like on a PC or Mac. Right. So the Photos app is now changed so that it categorizes your f- your photos based on geotag and time. And time. Yeah. yeah. The calendar view of the photos is kind of cool. Do they have better really cool. better fo- folder support? Uh, it, it better folder support. That's yes. Good. You can put newsstand in a folder now. Easier to organize. That's great. Yeah. Um, Nobody puts newsstand in a folder. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but the home screen. <laughs> no, is no, I'm talking about fo- photo. Fo- the photo. Uh, photo app. Oh, oh, oh. Yes, yes. Better um, folder app support in the fo- photo. Fo- mm-hmm. Photo app. Photo man. Like, right. Yes. Ca- Categorizing your photo photos. Right. Right. Uh, but the home screen essentially unchanged. It's still a grid of icons. Mm-hmm. Uh, no widgets. Hold on. We didn't talk about iTunes Radio. Uh, w- one second. Uh, no animated, I- no, no animated icons. I'm okay with that. Uh, no the wallpaper live, can be animated live now. Tiles or no live tiles. The only thing that might be changed, uh, that is changed, is the clock now shows the, the icon is the right time. Okay. I don't know ex- exactly. Is that just like I wish the weather showed a, the right time? Well, the, the weather does not show the right weather. Yeah. yeah. Um, right now it's not 73 degrees. Is that a thing where uh, you sure the it icon? Be. Oh, it's 64. It, the I- they, they just store like every minute. You know, however many minutes. I bet that there's RAM limitations, and the more stuff you run that updates constantly, the more battery life. The the battery, more battery you're going to kill. Windows Phone 8 doesn't seem to have a big problem with that. But also, Windows Phone 8 tiles lag sometimes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you turn on the phone, and then the tags update. the The tiles update seconds after you turn on the phone. Um, Okay, I might might be thinking about Windows Phone 7 actually when I say that. But I I should be careful. The cosmetic improvements. So, so iTunes Radio. iTunes Radio. So built built into iTunes. Yeah, do they say how much it's going to cost? Uh, it's going to be free with ads and no ads if you have uh, iTunes Match. So they're going after Pandora, basically. Yes, they're going after Pandora. Pandora also just recently bought a FM radio station so they can argue uh, for better uh, I thought that was rates. a fascinating story. Um, what about what about Siri? Did they say anything about Improvement Siri? Improvements to Siri. Yes. Uh, Siri taps into more services now. Right. Uh, another pl- place where uh, Apple... You can do it shows Apple, like that? I... I I'm not sure what you settings you can go to voicemail. I know. I yeah, saw that. Oh, yeah, Siri can go into settings. Siri yeah. taps into more in-phone services and right. also taps is now tied into more third-party services. Right. So right now, most of the data from Siri, the smartness from Siri, comes from um, Wolfram Alpha right. and um, like Rotten Tomatoes or Yelp, Yelp I think, actually. Uh, but now also taps directly into Wikipedia and Bing Search um, because Google okay. and Apple hate each other. Um, <laughs> Hold on. I, I, I want to go back to the radio for a sec. Can you control, can you make a playlist of songs you don't own? Or is it only songs, is it is, is Pandora yeah. style? It's Pandora style. They so have, you, they have so you say, I want to play, I like Rihanna, and then it plays a bunch of Rihanna-like songs. Rihanna-like songs. Can you remove stuff from the future? Can you no. add stuff to the future? Nope. Because it's, it's uh, same, same radio rules. Now, does it does does iTunes have the same problem that Pandora and the other services like it have with all the covers? I don't know. 
That is a good question. I know Spotify That's also like has a that huge same problem. problem on yeah, on well, Spotify and Pandora both. So iTunes, I mean, they have deals with the three major music labels. Right. So I would assume that they probably, if if you're talking about stuff that's inside that those walls, you're okay. It will surface well, the know, ones. You, you know, the whole issue that it's very easy to do a cover now, right? Yeah. The fees are much lower, and it's for, it's just one fee now. Yeah. Well, it's the Jonathan Colton thing. Yeah. Right. Right. So everybody does. There's like 150 covers of the same song on Pandora, and it's like, and you, and if you specify a particular artist, you might get the cover instead by somebody. That's else. Another attribute you want original versus cover right. that they need to filter out. Gotcha. Um, Sorry. Uh, the series stuff, like, I, I don't. I'm. I, I, I want to see it, APIs that let people tap their apps into into Siri. Mm -hmm. Until that happens, Siri's kind of useless. I think all it does is remind me of how good Google Now is at this point, <laughs> and yeah. the knowledge graph on Google, and having all that data, uh, it, it it will give Google a huge advantage in the next two years, right. one year. I mean, they spot ways. So the Apple having to resort to, I mean, there's basically one service they do, Maps. Mm -hmm. um, they don't have their own database of you know weather location. They still pull stuff from Yahoo. They still pull stocks right. from other right. sources. Mm -hmm. And none of that is really tied together, so it's not really context aware. And having having tap into Wikipedia and you know being searched and stuff like that shows that Siri is still first a personal assistant, and then a, you know, start your computer second. Right. Oh, so when you do the activate, when you kill the activation, you can turn it back on by, if you sign back in with the same Apple ID. That's what I said. You need to add your oh, Apple ID. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, the car feature that they announced that's coming next year, I didn't see this part. Uh, they talked about how there are a lot of partnerships, and this is a very, very strange thing, because yeah. uh, they have previously announced partnerships with automakers. I think, I don't want to say Ford, they had they had a BMW partnership with the yeah, iPod years right. ago, right? Um, um, Ford to put iOS basically into the car, right? But I don't know if that's the iOS. It's not going to be obviously the iOS that's on your phone. Uh, I, I don't know I'm that. profoundly uninterested in having know Apple Maps nabbing my car. <laughs> like that is that is the worst idea I've ever heard. I don't know what the integration is going to look like, and yeah. I don't know how Apple can do that without wanting control over it. Yeah, like, that, that we'll have to see more of that. It was a very terse yeah. kind of announcement. So because we'll it, okay. it's not like they're going to come out and re release a module right. that you buy and put in your car. They want right. something that's going to be yep. in the same you know, aesthetic style as the car right. manufacturer. Yeah, of course. Just like they're they're doing with Microsoft is doing Windows in mm -hmm. the car and Android. But Google's car manufacturers Android. all use different panels and right. they all different sizes, and the interfaces are all different. All the buttons are different. Right. All the the microphones are all different. So I don't know how they can standardize any of that stuff. Right. Uh, so, so then the other thing I saw is that they killed. Uh, they announced an inner app audio API uh, on the dev page, which I assume is going to replace AudioBus. Or uh, AudioBus was a third-party okay. app API oh. that allowed uh, people who have like all those music synth apps. Mm -hmm. So instead of having to have fifteen iPhones connected into a mixer to make right. music with the with the iOS devices, right. you could run them all in the background and okay. pipe music into one place. Okay. And they actually supported it in GarageBand for iOS earlier this year. Um, the fact that they're now announcing their own API makes me wonder if that if, if AudioBus is short for the world. Right. Let's see. Uh, come on, let's stop dancing around the elephant in the room here. All right. I think the new design looks really nice. What like do you it. think, Lloyd? I like it. Hey, Norm, what do you think about the new iOS design? I think that the philosophy of the design uh, of it being layers it makes a lot of sense in terms of the bottom layer being your wallpapers, middle layer being your uh, grid of apps slash home screen, and a top layer being your actual application or the notifications, the, uh, notifications or, or lock screen. I think uh, the translucency and that, transparency looks really nice. I think translucency makes sense. I think the app 
the design design of the new icons and a lot of that the, those fine aesthetic details I think I, look really ugly. <laughs> wow. I, I think the the idea is this because you're resistant to change or <laughs> getting old and crotchety norm. Yeah, I, I think uh, if the idea of having a tr- the translucent background is to showcase the, the colorfulness of their apps, uh, the apps they showed, and this will change because you're going to be able to use your own wallpapers. You're going to be able to have not just Apple apps. You'll have yeah. you know, right. You, if, if current trends hold, I'll have one Apple right. app on my home like screen. Your home screen will look very Maybe different two. than Apple's generic home screen. But the generic home screen they've set up, I really. So, like. so here's my question. Like, I think that the fair critique of this is that they lifted a lot from Android. Like the the uh, the font treatments that they're using, the font that they're using. It's still, how about a canoe? The trans. I understand, but it looks a lot like Apple's, uh, like Google's. Um, the 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 vertically stretched version of Helvetica new that they're using in the thin the thin font like the lock screen looks very much like the Android post Jelly Bean lock screen. Right. Um, it's a lot of weird abstract things. Like the location of all the functionality is the same. If you look at Safari for example, and you look at the bottom of Safari, I've lost Safari right now. Anyone who uses Safari knows that you know back and forward makes sense. It's those two arrow icons on the far bottom left yeah. side. This is the middle button is a share button. The new share button icon looks nothing like a share button. I have no idea what that icon looks like. <laughs> Change is scary! I mean, the, the well, one thing that I wish they had, this is, uh, this is a complete side trip here, but I can annoy, I sometimes wish that the iPad also had all the controls for the browser in the bottom. Yeah, because oh, I yeah. hold it from the bottom. Right. Yeah, uh, absolutely. That's, that's, that's something we said with the day one right. on, on the iPad. Most people hold that on the bottom in portrait mode. Uh, you want back and forth. Or, or in landscape. It doesn't matter. You're still holding it yeah. on the bottom. On the mini, I hold it on the... When, it, when you're holding it landscape on the mini, you're holding... Then the top is fine. Because they want people to hold with one hand and then kind of tap. Then they're going to... Everybody's going to have wrist and elbow problems yep. if you're supposed to hold a full-size iPad with one hand. Yep. Um, they change... Like, Yes, they they went they went so far and they laughed themselves at the, how ugly the Game Center app was, the the old one. I think the new one looks just as ugly. These these blobs of color overlapping each other, how, that means games, okay? Uh, the photo app. I mean, there's a lot to be said about people, you know, familiarity and 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 sure, change is scary. But an app icon where you have like overlapping, like. Like circle, circle of circle of like. It's a color wheel, dude. Is that what it is? <laughs> Pretty obvious. And, and that means photos. Red and orange and yellow, and they all combine and they make the different colors of the rainbow. And that tells you photos. I don't know. I, I mean, I what, what tells me it, photos? It's it, better than a. It's not a floppy disk icon to save, but it's. I mean, it doesn't need to be C and say. You just need something that's instantly recognizable to serve as an icon. Um, that's not, that that is absolutely not instantly it is recognizable. It's clear to me that a picture of a flower also represents photos. Right. Then they need to come with a better idea. Right. So and, it and just should be designers. a picture of a camera, except for that's of a camera. You maybe you have a view. I, I don't know what. Maybe it's a stack of Polaroids because that's what everybody's <laughs> making with this new camera. App. There you go. I I um, I, I mean, part of me. I think that when you look at this, also the camera icon is instead of looking like it looks like a, like a late '70s Leica. So you know they're they're clearly somebody went and they, they lined up probably 300 cameras and they're like which one looks like the most like a camera and then they took the took the the the, the line art from that. I think that at this point. Like it's too early to say whether this looks good because looking at pic- screenshots of something and looking at the way it looks in the real world when you're using it and it's under your hands is, are completely that's different a, that's things. True. I can tell a piece of shit looks like a piece of shit from a mile away. <laughs> I don't need to smell it. Thanks, no, Norm. It's a piece of shit. So you're going Android this year. I can tell. You're I, building I, up to it. I'm no. going to replace these icons. Windows, Windows Phone. 
normally doing Windows Phone. Yeah, sure. Winfo, Winfo 8, <laughs> the oh, Enchan edition. It just looks so unfun. I, you know what? You know what's unfun? The, the, the best thing I like, I like about the current iPhone and maybe, maybe out the jailbreak gets in iOS 7 is that you still have that, the reflections on the bottom, uh, on, the, on the tray, mm-hmm. uh, on the favorite apps on the bottom Such of the tray. Such a traditionalist norm. I love that. I love it because it showcases the design of the icons. Um, I'm really interested to see what this looks like when you put darker backgrounds behind it because all of the screenshots that they showed had light backgrounds. Um, it, it's it, they went overly colorful. They they needed every pastel color. It, it was it, it it's like being punched in the face and you're seeing colors. You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of uh, when Microsoft launched Windows uh, XP and everybody's like, oh my god, it's so many colors. It looks like it's candy. And then you used it for ten years and it was really nice. Reminds me of when Apple introduced well, OS ten and they're like, oh, where's that the was actually thing? My, my reaction. I had to go back to Windows XP to do something for a project. Well, yeah. And it's like, oh my god, it's bright. Yeah, it's you really know, garish and huge. I do have a theory, okay. though, because um, the design now does seem more like, as opposed to raster art, because mm-hmm. it, it, it all still is raster art. Right. It does seem a little more like vector art in terms of like it's all like straight edge curve, perfect mm-hmm. curves and edges and and less like gradients like, right. and and painted yeah. details. Um, I think that the the detail that you get in the apps today and the design of iOS 6 today really accentuates the the retina screen of the phone Mm -hmm. and and the iPad. And I think that having more of this line style art and vector style art could be them backing away from from that so that they can have a a phone later that maybe does not have a high, that does not showcase, you know, the high PPI. Uh, Going after the cheap phone market. And and Mm. iOS 7 will still look good on that kind of phone because you don't need the the same type of aliasing. Yeah, okay. Sounds good to me. Whatever. Um, I think that the fact that they're making square photos in the camera app means that they're probably going to have a square phone screen in the next year. (laughs) Just a just like the kin all over again. They're bringing that back. Right. Um, I think that. I mean, I think this is. I, I think it looks fine. I think we're going to know more when we actually use it as a human being. I thought you would really like this, given all the bokeh that's in the in the um, in the UI. That's Gaussian and, blur. Hmm. Well, no. If you look at the lock screen, all those dots in the background are totally. They're reminiscent of. Oh yeah, of and five a, dots for signal bars. You have five signals. is better than four is better than three is better than two is better than one. That makes perfect sense to me, Norm. I, I don't know. I'm just I just think I think that they, I think that this looks really nice from a in a picture standpoint, and we really won't know until we actually use it. I, really, is that what they're doing for signal strength now? It's five it's dots. Five dots instead of bars. Instead of bars. So they've cha- they're trying to, they're trying to. You ask for less skeuomorphism, and you'll get it. Damn it! Enjoy it. I'm not sure how the bars are skeuomorphic. Well, because they're uh, reminiscent of an analog meter in a uh, on a on a uh, some sort of signal. I never item. thought of it that way, but okay. That's I always assumed that that's what it was. I actually, where did the five where did the five oh, increasing bars come point. from? Maybe it, one of the. It, well, it used to be four bars, remember, and then they added a fifth bar. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because, <laughs> oops. Um, <laughs> yeah, like like that's one of those things. I just always assumed it was from a piece of right. analog metering equipment in the '60s and. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's maybe it's right. the. I mean, may, maybe these four, the five dots, and the new one, if they pulsate and they and they're like fit levels, right. then maybe. Uh, like at that point, why don't you just have like a, a line? This is this is getting in. It's time to move on. Yeah, thanks, Lloyd. <sighs> uh, E3 was this week. 
Uh, we I was at press conferences all day Monday. Still only at E3. Yeah, we're yep. we're Sony on won. item three now. Oh my goodness. Of the podcast. Okay. Uh, yeah. Sony one. Microsoft press conference. Uh, they showed a lot of games. A lot of shit didn't work. Okay, let's talk about uh, announcements. Uh, November twenty first, five hundred bucks. Yeah, um, it's a lot more in other countries, and uh, yes. partly because of that. Let's be fair about that. Okay. Uh, what was the best game that you saw in, in uh, the respawn game, the Titanfall? It's the, the, very it's, the, it's from the infin- former Infinity Ward developers. Right. Uh, looks look like that that clip reel showed what looked like real gameplay. Probably best case, the kind of gameplay I will never have. Right, which of course you will also be able to get in your PC. Yeah. Okay. Of course. I mean, it, that is a multi-platform game. Right. They're going to do exclusive DLC, but typically the PC even gets the exclusive DLC later. Uh, yeah. Even sometimes even with the respawn stuff and the, uh, the sorry with the Infinity Ward stuff in the past uh, on the same day as the Microsoft stuff. Uh, no one really expected that price announcement, and it came as a shocker because people were stunned. analysts. Analysts were the gas from the crowd. Yeah, gas from the crowd. Gas from the crowd. There we go. Um, uh, Michael Pactor said a murmur. Three forty and or three fifty and and, and three hundred at, at most. Well, Pactor's um, wrong a lot, and, but he also. Really I, I, I think people heavily betted on uh, subsidized models, which doesn't mean that can't. I, so, yeah. so the talk on the uh, as people were walking out, I was sitting with Brad and Patrick up in the up in the bleachers, um, and the the talk from people we bumped into was that you know maybe this was some sort of red herring to to pull Sony off. Um, because the rumor was that Sony had multiple versions of their press conference to, to whether they showed pricing at all, whether, you know, because the, they were in the last position, they could right. react. Um, whether they came in lower, whether they came at the same price, whatever. The, the, the word on the street was that 349 was Sony's maximum lowest price for the for the mm-hmm. hardware, right. and that's without the camera. The Xbox is coming with yeah. the Kinect; it's required. Um, it was it was interesting. There were a couple of moments in the press con- in the Microsoft press conference that just didn't work. Uh, the you mean rape jokes? N- n- um, <laughs> yeah, that didn't work. Take it. Yeah, that was no, that nope. was unfortunate. Um, uh, the rape joke was bad. The sound not working for the Panzer Dragoon follow up uh, actual, actual, was bad. Well, yeah, but actual demos not doing what they always do is sort of par for the course. Those weren't demos. Those were just video reels, man. Oh, okay. Uh, the sound not working for the v- Battlefield video. They didn't show. Microsoft didn't show very much actual people playing games. Right. Like they showed uh, there were people playing. It seemed like people playing games during the um, uh, what's the connect the connect game for kids where you build the game. Uh, Oh, hell, I can't remember what it's called. I know what you're talking about. It's been in prototype stage for a long, long time. Yeah. Uh, basically, you can you build a world. You right. can draw the world with your hands and stuff, play mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. And then you can actually set up a set of gameplay rules and characters and stuff like right. that to, to make... It's like a game creation engine. It actually engine. is pretty neat. It looked really neat. Yeah. Um, and it used both Kinect and Smart Glass. They had two people playing at once. One was controlling on the Smart Glass. Like, the cynical part of me says that no one's ever going to have a Smart Glass to do that. But I think since Smart Glass will work on iOS devices and Android devices, like th- that is the kind of thing that I would want my kid also, playing. Also on Windows 8. Yeah. So. Um, the... Uh, micro, the Battlefield guy basically was like, fuck this, I'm leaving. <laughs> when the sound didn't work on his reel twice. Um, um, and then they pushed him back out and it played. Uh, they also showed um, uh, Twitch compatibility? Uh, yeah, so they announced Twitch compatibility, which is a huge win for Twitch. So that means the PBR <laughs> functionality and the and the streaming functionality Huge win for Twitch from, if they were on the, the console that people were excited about. Well, potentially a huge, yeah. Well, uh, I have some thoughts about that, but we'll do that after we talk about Sony as well. So. Um, 
and I guess that's it. I mean, the connection. Yeah, stuff, we saw most of the hardware a couple, you know, three weeks ago right. when they did the, all the demos. Yeah, not not very many surprises. The yeah. price was the big surprise, yep. and people were were. Did they talk about stunned. DRM and clarify any of that? They did all? not clarify any DRM. And they released stuff. that page on on their site. Major Nelson did that two that, days ago, two and days before. They, yeah. they showed. You know, they talked about you know some some of it's up to the publishers. You have to go check in 20, every twenty four hours, that kind of stuff. Well, yeah. mul- mul- being able to play the same game on the same console with multiple accounts. Right. So that's so basically what they said. We, we should clarify this for people who only listen to us. I can't believe you would do that on this <laughs> topic, but okay. Um, the rules for disc-based and downloadable games on the Xbox One are the same as downloadable games rules on the Xbox 360, essentially, except for the 24-hour check-in. So what that means is on the, mach- on the machine that you initially download the game on, you can play it. Any account can play it, whether it's you, your account, somebody in your family, your brother, your sister, your mom, your dad, your so, wife, yeah, whatever. Yeah, Xbox Live account. Uh, they have to have an Xbox Live, and it can be silver or gold. Right. Um, you, the person who purchased the game and it's attached to your account, can play that game on any machine. Right. Uh, whether it's nor- like I can play my games on Norm's machine, Lloyd's machine, whoever's. When you're uh, logged on your when account. you're logged into my account, when I'm logged into my account, that means that you also can play that game when I'm logged into my account right. on your machine. Kind of like the Steam model. K- kind of very much like the Steam model. Um, the only difference is that multiple people can be logged into the same machine, so right. that like we can play multiplayer games together. I can I can bring my multiplayer game over to your house. We can sit on the couch and we can all That's play together. That's what Steam probably needs. Right. It, well, except for who plays multiplayer games on the same or same couch some, on the PC. Some families share one computer. Well, th- yes, Steam does need a. You download it on this machine. Uh, anyway, that's moving on. Yeah. Right. yeah. Um, I think that's it. That's the high point. So you have to check in every 24 hours, right. which basically means that there won't be an Xbox 360 on any forward... Xbox One. Uh, Xbox sorry, one. Xbox One on any military base that doesn't have reliable internet connections. If you're on a submarine... Or anywhere that doesn't have yeah. reliable internet. Yeah, or if your if your cable connection goes down for two weeks, as mine is wont to do, you're boned. You're just not going to play Xbox games right. at all. Sorry, um, Sandy. Um, yeah, so, well, I think pe- when you're in a natural disaster, you probably have other concerns than getting on your call of duties. Um, it was, it was like, they have a real messaging problem, Microsoft does, because they're expen- they're more expensive. They're more expensive because of something that most people who are going to buy consoles on day one right. don't, don't give a shit about, right. connect. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Sony came out and, and basically said... <laughs> Uh, hey, we understand why we lo- why we were slow out of the gate on this the last generation, right. and we want to be friendly to you guys, and we want to make give you something that you want to buy and are excited so about. Nothing changes, right? So you see, no flip flops. And what's really great is that, so so they came nothing out changes. Changes. they PS3, came out and PS4. said three ninety nine. Now, in another universe, three ninety nine would be considered fairly pricey, but yeah. in contrast to the Xbox One, it's like wow, look at Sony twelve hours later. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So so the Sony press conference. Uh, they came out. The format for that was different. Um, uh, 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 Trenton, Jack, Jack Trenton, mm-hmm. came out, uh, talked about first-party exclusive titles. Right. Uh, said they have 14 first-party exclusives in development for 2014, which is which is a, a, I think a, a, the right thing to do. I mean, the most first-party games you can come out with in the first year is good because that's why people. That's really the reason traditionally right. you should buy a console over the right. other one. Um, then uh, Adam Boys came out and talked about third-party games and led with indie titles, which I thought was really interesting because we didn't really see. We I think we saw one indie game at the Microsoft keynote. Uh, everything else was big first, par- big third-party and first-party titles right. like Halo and mm-hmm. Assa- uh, we didn't see Assassins. We saw we didn't see Call of Duty either. They've shown that a lot. Um, Rise. We saw that Rise game, which looked really grim. <laughs> um, and then anyway, I'll, I'll move on. Uh, 
they focused on indie games a lot. They had seven or eight different games, mm-hmm. five or six different games when I think about it going. They brought out the guys from Supergiant who made Bastion right. uh, to show off their new game, Transistor, mm-hmm. um, which looked great, gave it a reel. They talked about it for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Seems like Sony is really focused on on the kind of small, edgy, novel, interesting stuff that that is personally appealing to me, and um, appealing to people who play on Steam. Yeah, and also it's kind of bridging the uh, sixty dollar game with iOS type games. Well, I mean, the feeling I got, and they didn't explicitly say this, but the feeling I got is that they are looking at these small indie experiences as something that could potentially that, that can serve as a beta, essentially, for what could end up being a large franchise in the right. future. Um, and and that was great. They showed gameplay on that. They were mixed between Vita, PS4, and I assume some of those were also PS3 games. Um, but yeah, it looked good, and they're they're going to be fifteen or twenty dollars. So I don't know about you, but I'm much more willing to experiment with fifteen or twenty dollars than I am with sixty. Right. Um, the then they talked about third party games. This is where they actually did show some gameplay on stage. They had an Assassin's Creed demo with the pirate the pirate Assassin's Creed that crashed like two or three times during the demo, or hung two or three times during the demo. That was unfortunate. Um, showed a bunch of other games, and then they talked. Then they then Jack Trenton came back out and was like, "Okay, here's here is what we are going to do." Uh, if you want to share a game with your friends, you can. You give them the disc and you can share the game. We're not going to have DRM that prevents that. Uh, we're not going to make you activate every 24 hours. Um, uh, let's see. Here's the stuff you get from PlayStation Plus. They snuck in that you're going to have to pay for pay PlayStation Plus to right. play online multiplayer on the mm-hmm. on the PS4. By this point, nobody cared. Hmm. Um, five bucks a month five bucks player but it's the same thing and you get the games. you get the library which is which is i think probably the best value going right now on if you if you are the kind of person who doesn't go out and buy new games on release day then they're actually putting out like triple a titles from last year as well as neat indie stuff right. like three or four months that's three or four months old right. uh pretty consistently uh they talked about the play, the vita being their equivalent of smart glass mm-hmm. uh that's the that's the screen-based controller for that will add to a lot of games it's not in the box so it's not you know we, you'll see first party games that use that i assume right and maybe some some neat indie stuff that they're going to fund specifically for that yeah but remember not, smart glass isn't in the box either smart glasses but everybody has a smartphone at this point right. you have to assume yeah. um and then and then uh basically they said hey it's 399 and boom we're what done was the, what was the the gasp what was the uh, there that? were there was a lot of clapping uh sony also it's also worth mentioning that sony let in uh, a ton of of uh, just fans, so you could line up outside the venue on Friday. Uh, oh yeah, and they let. Well, we met one guy, and they said they let four. He said they let forty people in. Um, Jeff was in the front front center of the audience with the, with like the other esteemed games journalists, mm-hmm. and he said he was surrounded by these fans because every time they announced something people were like, standing up and clapping and cheering it was like it was the most terrifying like when people stood up and <laughs> and cheered for kingdom hearts he said it was the scariest thing he'd ever he'd ever experienced in his life so um wow yeah so you know i guess it's a step a small step above having the employees stand in the background and do the class well the employees were also in the background clapping oh, of course, too. Of yeah. course but i mean it's like well and, it, and it's e3 so the pu- people for the in different right. game developers i haven't been to one of these conferences in a long time this right. the last time i was there they were in much smaller venues mm-hmm. uh this was in the place where usc plays basketball right uh and and you could tell where like the guys from Insomniac were and where the guys from <laughs> right. from the direction from the different, of the right, where Santa Monica yes. studios were cuz like that part of the audience would just ah! 
ah, when they announce their game. So um, it was it was a it was a different tone than the Microsoft one, and they I felt like they did a better job kind of talking about stuff that that people who are going to be watching E3 press conferences on the internet and mm-hmm. in person are interested right. in. Yeah, I was and sort of go over the whole global thing. That's what was astonishing to me was um, not so much that the uh, Xbox One was priced the way it was. I kind of suspected that from all the rumors that have been flying around. Yeah. But that Microsoft is just so tone-deaf to customers' concerns. They could take their existing story and spin it in a way that's much more palatable, and they haven't been doing that. They've just been yeah. dissing people. Right you left. guys are going to buy this regardless of what we do. That's right. Um, so I, Gina, went, uh, Gina yesterday went out to do some pre-orders for me while we were on the show floor. And she went to a couple of different game stops, and their allotment uh, was all out. So this is super anecdotal. Uh, the the thing to note though is that the game stops that she went to and talked to the guys had many many fewer Xbox Ones than they had an allotment of day one PS4s. Right. Well, so they didn't also announce a date for PS4. They did not announce a date for PS4. They just said before the end of the year. I, think. I mean, it'll be before Black Friday. Right. So they're they're going to figure out what day they think they can do and if they think they can get it out earlier than they will. Yeah. The other aspect about it is that uh, Sony's charging less for what you could argue is it's much better core hardware, right? Yeah, but I th- I mean, assuming everybody ends up with equal market share. Then that doesn't matter because they're gonna they're gonna write for the least common denominator. Right. Still, yeah. I mean, It'll your first party a, games a, will look better. Hard drive at least. Still, I mean, yeah. looking at, at both Xbox 360 and, and PS3 and stuff, you have seen games in both systems where you suddenly you're looking at 10 frames a second all of a sudden. And so, so I think that's that, that that will make a difference even if the games are designed the same way. I mean, that typically happened to PS3 games, mm-hmm. Unreal Engine PS3 games, <laughs> in my experience. And and I mean because they're on similar architectures, right. that should be much less of a of an right. impact. The other thing that's worth mentioning is that the the Sony system doesn't have the camera built in. Right. So uh, the Xbox Xbox comes with the Kinect. That means games will actually support the Kinect and voice controls and stuff like that, right. even if they're primarily controller games. Whereas on the Sony system, you, that that people will not assume that you have that. Right. I think it's a sixty dollar peripheral if you want to add it. Yeah. Um, what was it? Oh, and the other thing was the physical size. I was surprised that the Sony system was so much smaller. I don't know, so much smaller? It's hard to say. I think uh, we saw both the 360 and the PS3 uh, behind glass mm-hmm. on the floor, and the PS3... The one, or, uh, sorry, the one in the, the one. PS4. Well, one, <laughs> PS4. one of the websites had, had a picture of the, like, the Xbox 360, the PS3, the, yeah. the Xbox One, and the yeah, PS4, yeah. and it was, it, was, it was noticeably smaller. Mm-hmm. But the PS4 also has that weird diagonal. Right. I like the weird diagonal. Yes, I like um, the design. I think it looks cool. Yeah. It can it can sit flat and also sit up straight. I don't. I also kind of don't care because it's going to go in my entertainment center and I'm never going to yeah, look at right. it. But you know, I mean, it's, more, it's more about cooling um, and whether these things overheat. Has I, Microsoft I said if the if the one is going to play Blu-ray discs out of the box? Yeah. Yes. It'll play movies. It'll play um, movies. Out of why wouldn't it? Because they didn't want to pay for licensing. Who said that? No, no, I'm asking. They oh. never. They said it's Blu-ray capable, but they they said it has a Blu-ray drive, but they didn't say it plays Blu-ray movies. Ah. You know, if 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 it comes out that they can't, and you have to pay another fifty bucks to play your movies, they're they're gonna they're, nobody's gonna buy one. No. That's true. They'll have to eat that. Yeah. They're paying Sony um, every time they sell a three six or Xbox One. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, press conferences were interesting. Uh, we went, we went. The, so the mood after the press conferences from everyone was that Sony is winning, right? right? Microsoft has a messaging problem, and they have to figure something else out. And the, the something else could be subsidy. It could be that you get free games. It could be anything. Right. But they have to they have to come out with something. Mm-hmm. Um, I also wanted to say that there was a dude sitting behind me in the audience at the Microsoft event that when Master Chief took off the 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 kind of ratty looking cloak that he was wearing, I think actually was weeping by that point. <laughs> wow. So 
Uh, that was a thing that happened. Never underestimate the power of fanboys. I, it was amazing. I, I didn't think at this point that anybody felt that way about Halo anymore. But okay, that's cool, I guess. Uh, 2014. Um, uh, we got so we went to the floor. Both the uh, Xbox One controller and the PS4 controller. And I stood in front of a Kinect for a little bit and too. They are both well-designed controllers. I think. Well, Did Sony address a lot of the complaints about their controller. So yeah, the the so the the Xbox One controller, with the exception of until you feel the rumble and the triggers, feels indistinguishable from the Xbox 360 controller, which yeah, is th fine. Thumbsticks are a little higher. Uh, the tiniest fraction. It it feels really good. I mean, I, I love the Xbox 360 right. controller. The Xbox One controller is in the same vein and is is like you. It, the weight's a little bit different. It seems like but they didn't screw on success. They did not mess yeah. up that design. Right. So that and that is the good thing. Improved on it with two. Different Rumble motors. I don't know that that I I felt like that demo was neat, but I don't think it's gonna like that is not a deal breaker for me on well, not a deal on breaker, a, but it's totally it's nice, a nice to have super nice to have. Yeah. The nice. the PlayStation 4, 4 controller is a dramatic improvement over the previous design. Oh, that's good to hear. Uh, the, those are triggers. Those round nubs on the bottom mm -hmm. make it fit in your hand better. Okay. Uh, so it is more comfortable to hold. It 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 um, conforms to the neutral position of at least my hand. Uh, so it kind of rests where you want it to rest to be able to get both triggers easily. Okay. The concave triggers were were made it much easier to have fingers on the bumper buttons and the triggers at the same time. Okay. The thumbsticks have a ridge around the outside edge and a different feeling surface. It's a much more tacky surface, so that they're they're easier to to control and you control them with the tips of your fingers, the pads, however you want to do it. I just don't know how people are going to use that touch the capacitive touch button. I think the capacitive touch button is is like the GameCube. Like like the N64 controller is something you use with one hand on the th on the left stick and one hand on the touch if you need yeah, the touch. It's, it's, it's going to be for stuff like like lock picking mini games and stuff like that where you're not yeah. in action controls. I think. Right. Um, that makes a lot of sense. That's kind of actually kind of it's kind of a cool little feature actually for that. Kind I of mean, stuff. if they could put it on and it doesn't make it more expensive, why not? Mm -hmm. um, it still seems to have integrated battery, so you won't be able to change the battery pack, which is a bummer. Um, 360 or the Xbox One, you can. The Xbox One is a right. is a pack. Is two double A's, yeah. Um, or you can buy the rechargeables. I'm yeah. gonna assume. But I, you know what? Unless uh, with the Xbox 360 buying their rechargeables was a horrible mistake because their chargers were bad. Buy um, by 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 Loops or something yeah. and, yep. and use the, I, the I, things. Amazon Amazon Basics. Yeah, exactly. And, and that, that's one of the big problems with the PS3. You always kind of had to have your controller plugged in because you never knew. You know, when it would run out I, power. If I end up buying a PS4, I will likely buy whatever dock they have to just set the controllers in when you're not using them because right. my my PS1, PS3 controllers are always dead. <laughs> um, I, I felt felt like that controller was it feels really good. Like I we played, I sat down and played 20 minutes uh, in like the private demo area, right. and it, it it felt as good as the 360 controller. To I'm me. going to be interested to see what their overall pricing policy is going to be for the Gakai stuff. The Gaikai stuff, I remember mm -hmm. pronounce it. The streaming, the streaming game stuff was just how they're going to do backward compatibility, right? Yeah. How are they going to? Are you going to have to put the disc in, and right. it's going to see that you have the disc, and right. then play then? Yeah, I don't know. It'll be, or, or are you going to pay some fee no matter what? Well, where do you get your save? Option. How do you get your save games there? Well, I think that's. I think that's hopeless. Well, I mean, the nice thing is they know on the stuff that you've downloaded, mm -hmm. they should just know, right. right? So that'll just be there, right? Um, I, I'm I'm super interested to see. I mean, I know that they did but a mail-in thing for right. PSP games, right? So maybe that you just mail in the discs, yeah. and there you go. And I'm interested also in how performance will be in you know lag and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, um, I I mean backwards compatibility, with the exception of, I I think 
I think the 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 lesson of this generation is if you care about backwards compatibility, right. you should probably just resign yourself to keeping the old consoles no, I, around. I just thought there was a nice uh, patchwork solution, right? It, it's yeah. it's not perfect, but it's a, at least they they thought about it a little bit. Whereas Microsoft says, "Oh, just keep your 360." You know, the one thing we didn't talk about with the Microsoft solution with the Microsoft stuff is the way they're using Azure. Yes, um, it is interesting. I, I'm, I'm skeptical, but also hopeful. Like that, that was it. The Forza demo, or is it the other racing game? Yeah, the cloud, cloud-based the enemies. Computer. Yeah, the the ones that basically analyze your performance. Right. It's it really reminded me of that video of the guy who had tracked three thousand games of Super Mario Brothers one one. Did you see this? <laughs> and he he used that to teach the machine just what patterns you press to right. get through one one, and it right. got through every time. So, like, I, I actually believe in the ability of massive data sets to mimic your... Well, they also are talking about allowing the, doing cloud computation stuff in yeah. real time, too. So that'll be interesting to see if they can pull out that. That could potentially make up for any performance differences, I mean, right? Yeah. Well, I, I don't, I, so it's not going to make up for, like, rendering performance differences, but it, it is... Like the thing that I learned from talking to our engineers as we move from fixed server setups to cloud-based hosting for the websites mm -hmm. is that it is a dramatic, it is a, a, a significant change. It requires a significant change in the way you think about things. Because right. you know, while each individual virtual machine is less capable than a dedicated virtual machine, the ability to inexpensively and quickly spin up as many as you need, right. uh, basically an infinite number of yep. machines, completely changes where the bottlenecks are right. for web development. Right. And, and I have to assume that giving game developers access to that same kind of technology is going to give them a whole new realm of, of potential uses. Right. But, but it's going to take a while for people to figure out what they can use it for. Right. And, and, and for potentially the Gaikai stuff can be retrofitted with a similar thing in capability, yeah, too. Exactly. Um, so yeah, that that was uh, the controllers were good. The Connect, we got the we got to see the live feed out of the Connect, mm -hmm. uh, and that video will be up on the site soon. Maybe by the time you hear this, did you do, did you participate in any Connect demos? Did you do any live stuff? I've heard it's much less laggy, but I haven't actually seen. We didn't do any games. We we ran out of time, unfortunately. It was just a tech demo. Um, but but we basically you stand in front of the Connect sensor and they show you the different views that the sensor mm -hmm. sees. Right. So I was able to stand. I, I'm six two. The sensor was at my shoulder chest height. Uh, and I was standing about four feet away and had everything from my ankles to my head okay. in the field of view. And its ability to um, track people in the background was pretty good. Yeah, they showed... Between people in the foreground and background. Well, did you, did you, were you watching as he did the demo? They showed um, uh, the, night, the night vision mode, mm -hmm. the you know, complete in the dark play. They showed live vision. They showed skeletal stuff. They showed engagement. They showed the heart rate. Uh, the sensor was able to report back to the game whether I was paying attention to the game. And whether I was happy or sad or frustrated, oh, um, it's going to be a wonderful tool for the surveillance state. Yeah, sure. I mean, I was like, this is not this is not <laughs> the demo you want to roll out the week after the Prism stuff hits. And Microsoft apparently was the company that was like, yeah, guys, whatever you want, just come take it. We're good. Um, that's the that was the New York Times reporter, the the Guardian report. Anyway, um, that stuff was neat. Then we got to go see Oculus. Because okay. they were there, we we weren't sure, we didn't know they were going to be there, and we managed to sneak in at the last minute. So thanks to those guys for getting us in with a really short, uh, really short window. But they had a 1080p version of the of the dev kit, right? Uh, prototype, are they, prototype. Is it? Have they have they got the five inch displays yet, or are they still? It is a five inch. Oh, cool. So it is uh, instead of seven inch 
um, twelve eighty by eight hundred. Yeah, that's why I canceled inch. my dev order because I decided that I would rather get the smaller, lighter, higher resolution. Yeah. If you if you, if I was paying for it with my money instead of right. with money with our contrib's budget, right? I would have waited for the dev kit. Yeah. I mean, for the for the final. Right. So um, they didn't say whether they were going to put this in a in, you know do a second dev kit revision. It's very unlikely you'll be able to upgrade the existing dev kits. Mm -hmm. But this is what they were targeting for consumer right. release. Right. Um, so the, and but but there's caveats. Because this is a this was intended as like a demo of the resolution. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The screen wasn't as fast as they want to put it in the retail release, so right. there was still a little bit of side to side judder. Okay. Um, it, the vibrancy and stuff like that were a little lower than I think they wanted. So this was literally just to see what it's like to have a 1080p screen right. in the in the optics were the same as the de as the dev kit. Mm -hmm. So there's they said there's still a lot of tweaking to be done. Okay. But Norm, yeah, it's, it's great. It was really good. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty cool. All right. Yeah. Uh, dramatically improved. Okay. I could still see a little screen door. Yeah. Mm. If, you, if you squint your eyes, you could see. The screen I could door. see it without squinting, but I have worse vision than you. Um, I guess that's it. Uh, uh, we talked about Prism. Do we want to talk about Waze? Google bought Waze. I didn't know what Waze was. Oh, I have it. It's kind of nice. Waze was uh, one of those apps that launched so long ago. Uh, like on, iOS uh, three or iOS, four, right? Uh, when the, one of the Location. first wave of traffic apps, and it, it seemed like a who would use this because you need a critical mass of people who are using it, right? And it just slowly gained such a huge following. What does it do, Norm? Uh, it lets you it tracks your movement, so you leave it on the background when you're driving, and it knows like where you are on the freeway and where slowdowns are, and sends that data automatically to servers, so people who are not in their cars yet can. And know. you can use it as normal GPS nav too. Yeah. Okay. So so like. So if I so when they announced Apple Maps and when Google talked about Google Maps traffic uh, turn by turn and they said it'll navigate you around traffic snarls, mm -hmm. does this actually do that? Well, let you yes. know where the snarls are okay. and, and well, why the why the snarls are potentially there. Right. So so if you're stuck in traffic, it'll let you know that you only have a quarter of a mile to go before you get past the the wreck, right. and then you're yeah, good. that's because everybody's feeding it data. So okay, yeah. Yeah. and people so, can actively feed data. Uh, if they want to. As well as passively, that's yeah. right. Okay. So so okay, so in addition to just collecting the data that says you're on one oh one and you should be going seventy miles an hour but you're going twenty five, right. you can also say, Oh, there's a crash up here on the right side of the road and right. then Waze will tell you. Okay. That's that seems useful. So yeah. Google bought them It'll I presume to use in Google Maps. Just tap into that data. Oh, so they're just using it as yeah. a data source. Okay. And they said they were gonna leave them alone, but we'll see if that's true or not. Google's been pretty good about leaving stuff alone until they shut it down. <laughs> um right. So I guess that's it for news. Anything do we miss? I mean, I'm sure there's some stuff we missed. It's been a big, big, huge news week. Um, but let's uh, play some music and talk about what we've been testing. Wrong music. Uh, I've been testing Google Glass, Project Glass. Uh, I wrote okay. about it on the site. Right. Um, I went and picked them up on Sunday and uh, went to the Google campus in Mountain View. And they give you like white glove. Here's how you put them on. Here's how you. Here's how the basic control stuff. Here's what you can do. They help you set it up and connect it to Wi-Fi there and to your Google account. And it was really neat. Yeah, we're gonna do a big in-depth talk about it. Um, interesting things. Well, we're gonna do a short talk, and then we'll do. A, then I'm gonna. I'm taking them on vacation next week to, to the middle of the country to see what normal people think about these. It is. Um, it is I'll be interested in how many people make you take them. How many places you go to I'm make you take them? Fascinated on. by that. <laughs> I, I so so far I've worn them to L.A. for E3. I wore them through. SFO. The TSA people were super curious. They sure. they were like they were very nice and friendly about it, not at all scary. Right. Um, the uh, everyone I wants to try them on. Occasionally got the stink eye from like typically an old older people who were like kind of like 
you steal my privacy. <laughs> um, uh, but a lot of people were like, hey, what's yeah. was that Google Glass? I haven't seen that for real. I, a lot of people took pictures of me wearing them. <laughs> a lot of people wanted to have them on and get their Facebook profile picture taken so that they could have a <laughs> Facebook profile photo of them wearing Google okay. Glass. Okay. Um, did that this morning, Lloyd. Hmm? Yeah, you did that this morning, Norm. With, oh, is that what the picture is for? Oh, no. Everyone wants their picture taken with Google Glass. And, and a lot of people, a lot of people wanted to just wear them to see what 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 right. they were for. Right. Yeah, yep. Um, and a lot of people just wanted to know if they work. Like and, they were like, "Does this work?" So yeah, yes, and it works. Yeah, it kind of works. Yeah. Um, it's much better than I expected. I'm gonna keep doing. So the testing strategy for this is to use them for a while. Um, and and just kind of see how they like what they're useful for, because the software is a little thin right now. The battery life is is really bad. As in, as in um, half a day if okay. you're of, of just wear. They also because they hook to your phone with Bluetooth. There's also a battery impact on your phone. Mm, okay. um, I found um, I, I basically carry one of those Mophie USB pa- right. battery packs, so I just charge off of that during the middle of the day. Right. Um, but it is it is uh, the battery is is pretty rough. It's like forty. Per- if you're using turn by turn nav, it'll go down like thirty percent in a half hour. I really right. wish it stood upright on its own. I'm glad it doesn't because I have to wear it on my head most of the time. Yeah. Um, I know you want to have better pictures, but well, GPS is a horrible power well, but, thing on anything. But the GPS is off of off of a uh, uh, phone. Oh, okay. It doesn't have GPS in the unit. It just has a compass. So you have to run an app on an Android device and then yeah, Bluetooth tether it. So the big limitations right now are that there's no iOS app out yet. I think it's in, in it's, they implied that it was in the pipeline, but they didn't actually say that. In order to get GPS, you have to have an app feeding the GPS data over. Right, so okay. uh, right now I'm connecting it to both my iPhone for data and a Nexus 7 for GPS, okay. which is a little awkward. Um, I'm sure that is also impacting battery life. The uh, iOS versions, if you're using this with iOS, you also won't have access to SMS because okay. Apple doesn't allow that. So you'll have to, uh, you'll have because to because of iMessage. Because it, I, I assume that they don't provide API hooks into iMessage okay. or into messages in general. Okay. Uh, if you're using Android, you can set when you say so on iOS. If you say send a message, it sends it via email. If you're on uh, Android, it sends it via text. Oh, okay. The magic um, of it really is this prism design. Yeah, the lens, the screen is much better than I expected. Right. So they have a t- really, really fine, small, Periscope. high resolution screen, and it is kind it of is a yeah. one-way mirror, mm-hmm. and it just projects. Or, or it, it's right. the, so I think it's little micro etchings that go at a diagonal forty-five right. degree angle. Or like that. a pentaprism in an SLR. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, because you can see you can see a mirror on right. one side and see through on the other side, right. and it is a super high um, density display, tiny display. For, um, for what it is, it works well outside. Um, I shot a video interview with it. Uh, the audio is rough, but the video is quite good. Mm-hmm. Although you, Norm, you shot an interview with it yesterday. You have to learn not to to nod <laughs> when you're talking to people. It's weird. Hmm. You must be robotic. <laughs> you, yeah. So like, I, I, we're going to shoot interviews with it for a while and see how it goes. Uh, that that may be a more awkward use for it. Actually. Well, I mean, I think we'll use it as camera too. So well, obviously, the next thing, of course, is just image stabilization in your when you're doing for that specific kind of application. But the, I think the camera would have to be crazy high resolution right. to to. <laughs> to even do like the gentlest right. of nods, because right. it gives you a live preview of what you're seeing. Oh, okay, um, it, it, it's interesting. It's right. weird. I, I'm the the biggest thing about it is the reactions of everyone else not mm-hmm. actually using it. Right. 
Uh, Lloyd, you built a new machine, you said. Yes, I have uh, sort of downgraded my production system, for those of you who care. Um, Is this from the one that we built on no, the machine? No, 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 okay. no, it's not. Uh, so, I had, so my main production system for the last couple of years has been Sandy Bridge Extreme, right? Uh, so I've got you know six cores, 12 threads, 32 gigabytes of RAM, four channels of memory, all that kind of jazz that you come with Sandy Bridge Extreme, except that they haven't updated that in roughly forever yeah. until. So uh, I decided it was time to, use, to use a little less power. I did some benchmarking, and I'm not giving up very much in performance at all, even with multi-threaded stuff. So I built a Haswell system that's now my new production system. Okay. And I went from a 1050-watt power supply to a 660-watt power supply. Wow. 80-plus uh, platinum. So the whole thing idles in under 80 watts. Wow. Um, still dry, and, uh, so, and that's with a GeForce Titan and all that kind of jazz. Well, the Titan idled has, has, yeah, has, has good, good idle, idle yeah. yeah. And then, but I mean, I'm running a 660-watt power supply with the Titan, two rotating media hard drives, a 512 gig SSD, and an actual sound card as opposed to onboard audio. So, and, and that's fantastic. And it's quieter, I assume. Yep. Dramatically. Well, I built it into the same, uh, the Generation 2 version of the Corsair 550D, which they've improved somewhat. Okay. And yeah, it's, it's pretty silent. Fantastic. Uh, uh, Norm, anything from you? Nope. Uh, Lloyd, you always bring stuff for show and tell. Yes, I brought more This games. is my favorite part so, of the, of the, so, of the uh, event. For those of you, on, I don't know if we're going to have video this time. These look like four-sided dice, but they're not. They're, they're pyramids. huge. Yeah, well, they're large four-sided dice, and they can actually be used as four-sided well, dice. Four-sided dice are always pyramids. Yes, but these are pyramids oh. in a game. They represent pyramids. So that's like your... your great. Yeah. What's the game? The game is called... The game Kemet. is called? Kemet. Okay. And then K E M E T. Yeah, it's an area control game where you're basically playing gods from Egyptian mythology, just sort of duking it out over this territory. Oh, and it looks like you're on the Nile. Right, right. And and the uh, the pyramids represent pyramids, and the pyramids have powers that go up in ability by you know, and you indicate the increased ability by rotating to the. Oh, numbers. fantastic! So they have one it's, through four, I guess. It's using an indicator, right? Right. Cool. Great miniatures. I mean, I was showing Norm the miniatures. The uh, um, elephants. The little, the little guy miniatures are okay, but the really good ones, if I can find them in here are the uh, monster miniatures, right? I mean, they're very detailed. Oh, wow. So, like, you got the... Uh, my favorite one is the war elephant. And if you look at the war elephant miniature... Do they have war elephants? Is this, is this thematically accurate? Okay. Who knows? Who cares? Oh, it's wow. It's a war elephant. I mean, what more do you want? People you could paint this thing. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, it looks, it looks really good. I mean, it's incredibly detailed. That is an expensive miniature. Yeah. How, how much is this game? Is it crazy expensive? It's about uh, 16 Okay. So not, not too bad. Yeah. And, um, it looks yeah. like it's really nice construction. And the nice thing about this is it's this area control game, but, but it, and it's Euro style and all the card interactions with some card driven stuff. But the whole thing takes, once you know the rules, the whole thing takes less than an hour. Oh, good. And so two, two, to, two players plus? Two to four players. Oh, great. Right. Have you played, with, uh, have you played it yet? I have not. I've okay. watched it played, which is why I wanted to get it. I said, this is really cool after I watched it for about 20 minutes. Okay, great. Yeah, you went to KublaCon, I assume, a few weeks ago, right? Right. Okay. Right. This other game I had for a while, and I just got the expansion. It's called Smash Up. I've not heard of this. This answer, it's a card game, so you have card This answers the, the burning nerd question, what if pirates and ninjas fought dinosaurs and goblins? That sounds great. I mean, or any other fact. It has a bunch of these factions from, you know, the kind of things you'd find from fantasy yeah. novels and yeah. stuff like that. And uh, bear cavalry. I mean, you, you, there's robots. a gnome. Uh, I would like not a, call right. that a, a burning nerd question. <laughs> what if you, what you want to know is if the Enterprise can blow up the, the that, Darth that Vader a, that, Star yes, Destroyer. That is a legitimate question. <laughs> the executor. The, the, anyway. the question of whether pirates can fight zombies and aliens. That, this, that is just nonsense. This is, this, is, this is great fun. This, this game is, you know, you're hollering and laughing when you're playing this game. And it so takes like half an hour. Have, have a beer or two and, right. yeah, throw it down. Using the, the Mophie? 
Yes. Oh. The helium. Yeah, one. that's what I have. Yeah. I still don't really understand the difference between the helium and the other one. Wait. Uh, it's a little bit lighter. Thinner. Oh. It's mostly thinner. Okay. So. Anyway, the last game I brought is Libertalia. Okay. And this is a pirate-themed kind of card game in which you're doing this you're, card you're, you're into pirates right now, Lloyd. I guess so. Well, you, where you're doing the card drafting thing, and everybody starts out with the same hand of cards. Okay. And then you, you're going through these multiple phases, which they call, which you're, you're doing, you're plundering your booty, basically. Yeah. And so you're you're laying out your cards in different orders, and so each player may or may not play the same cards over the series of phases. So your hand gradually changes over time, even though you're start, even though there's a draft phase every round where you actually get the same cards. So when you oh, so when you draft, everybody gets the same cards. Right. Right. So it's kind of like Seven Wonders, but but not but without all the switching hands you don't and pass stuff like that. Around. Okay. Yeah, one one person drafts the cards, and then everybody everybody has a separate deck, and they go through the deck and they pull out the got cards it. To play. Okay, and it, it is really it's nice mechanically, some good strategy. You're trying to figure out a good meta game because like, what's he going to play next, and should I play my card here? Because there's also a mechanism in which when when you're each each card has a power for the different phase. Uh huh. So. One phase executes left to right in card order. Then, when you plunder your booty, that's right to left. Oh. So the order becomes kind of important. And then you take your card and you put it in what's called your—I forget what the actual term is—but you basically place it in your your little area. And then those cards have powers in, the, in a different phase. And so everything—the order becomes very independent. And so you're trying to figure out who's doing what. And so in that regard, it's kind of like power grid or something like that, where you're kind of figuring, trying to figure out which which resources the other person could be into it's, it's, and denying right, right, them. Right, right, right. Almost like the bidding part of power grid. Yeah, yeah. So, Cool. Yeah, it's a fun little game. And again, once, once we figure out the rules, the rules are not very well written. i got to say that right up front. It took us a while to figure out. There are actually 18 phases, not six, for example. Wow. <laughs> but once we figured it out and how, how it played out, it's like it's, we thought, oh, this is... Really, quite cool. So, when you have a when you have a game, so this is a problem. Like I've noticed recently that a lot of games that I ended up really loving have really terribly written rules. Mm -hmm. um, the thing I've started doing is going to YouTube because frequently people will have a yes. e even if it's just like watching people play. You you get the kind of the the some session, the, but some right. people are doing really good. Like here's the here's how to play the first game, right? Which generally is and enough. Some of the game companies doing that. Like the when when we got uh, what was it uh, the the. Dungeons and Dragons board game, um, uh, Lords of Waterdeep. Lords of Waterdeep. The, uh, they had this wonderful video on uh, the the Hasbro website about how to play this game. It's only nine minutes long, and by the time you were done with it, you actually know how to play. And the game. it's and it's and the best of those are like when I sit down with you and you're like, okay, here's how you do this. Right. You give me the the ten minute rundown of how to play the game, right. and that's enough to get me through the rough you parts of the wizard. instructions. That's how I sort of figured out Netrunner too. <laughs> There's some great videos online about how to play Netrunner and yeah. strategies and stuff. Well, like and the rules the rules of Netrunner are really densely dense and kind of disorganized. I think. Yeah. The the actual description of the rules were written, but the overall rule set could be better organized. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess that'll do it uh, for us. Where are we on time? We're kind of running late. Yeah. Um, let's. I have a couple of really good questions this week, so I want to do questions. Um, but then we'll then we'll call it a show. Emails? Well, but we do the other one. Emails. It's, you know, we don't do emails. We do emails. No, 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 no. Questions. Boom. So uh, the first question is from Will Stokely. He's a cop from someplace that I'm not going to say because I don't want to give him trouble since I just gave his full name. Um, his question is that he recently returned from a motorcycle tour of Europe, during which I filmed 96 gigabytes worth of video and photographs <laughs> on my GoPro Silver Edition in 1080p. I've got a powerful Windows 97 
Oh, I'm sorry, Windows 7 PC. Uh, and now I want to edit this data into a cheesy film of, of my friend and I writing through France, Italy, Germany, etc., and chronically the adventures we had there. I have used Move Windows Movie Maker for editing basic GoPro footage in the past, but anything longer than a couple minutes in length can't, it can't handle and it dies straight away. Do you have any recommendations for basic video editing software that I can use to make my footage into a decent film, Movie Maker style with subtitles, fades, the ability to add music? Um, my time is limited, so I don't have loads of time or inclination to sink into learning extremely complicated software. Um, I have dabbled with Lightworks 11, but it's too difficult for me to get into. Thanks, and always be testing. Uh, so that is the question. My initial my initial response is to try Vegas. Yeah, Sony Vegas. The basic Vegas. Very, yeah. yeah, the basic Vegas is like right. fifty bucks. Right. Um, it's it's relatively easy to use if you're right. familiar with uh, basic nonlinear video editors. It should be a good place right. for you. Premier start. Elements has gotten better. I haven't used that in a long time. So and version 11 is a lot cleaner than past versions have been. The the biggest thing I would say is with that much footage, try make sure you um, like come up with a naming scheme that even if you realize, like go through and name and catalog all the footage because right. that's going to be the thing that'll make save the most time. Yes, all your give, video. give descriptive names to all your clips. Yeah, and 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 keep it look at how va the software you end up using describes the stuff in in game in in right. app mm -hmm. so that you give it a name that makes sense. So if you're going to do it by date first, then do date first for everything um, right. or location first or whatever. General aesthetic advice if it's a fairly if it ends up being a fairly long video, you know, a half hour or more, Please keep the transition simple and to a minimum. So sparkly fades <laughs> with like the... the right. Yeah, okay. Um, uh, the next question I'm opening right now is from... Oops, missed the click. Is from Randy. Randy says, hey, fellas, I just just a question about the benefits of going crossfire on my video cards. Don't? Oh, sorry. Uh, well, he's, he has NVIDIA GeForce GTX, so he's not going to go crossfire. He's going to go SLI. Okay. But... Um, he has a GTX 560, and he's a couple of tiers behind, but it looks like the second card would be a cheap way to pump up some performance without having to spend $400 on a PS4 to play Watch Dogs. Uh, I haven't ever done a dual card setup in a PC before, and I'm wondering if the benefits of adding a second card would be as dramatic as adding a second card would seem, or if I'd just get more mileage out of buying a new card altogether. Thanks, and always be testing. Well, yes, to both questions. <laughs> the way I look at that is that, yeah, if you can get the 560 cheap used... Like what's cheap used? Like a hundred bucks? Yeah, hundred, uh, under two hundred dollars, right? Okay. So a five sixty Ti. He didn't say. Did he say five sixty? He, he says a GeForce GTX five sixty. So regular five sixty is about two hundred dollars. So you can get for a hundred bucks. Sure, you know that's that'll be fine and it'll nearly double his performance in most games since Nvidia's done a great job of proselytizing. Yeah, their scaling is really good now. Yes, and yeah. and a lot of games support it. Yeah, um, but however, new games frequently have problems with well, SLI. You, yeah, and sometimes it takes three months before SLI is enabled. Right. So then you're playing, a, if you if you buy the game on day one and you want to play Watch Dogs and it's a 40-hour game, by the time they add SLI support, sometimes you might, finished, you might right. be done and never sell be able to play that game again. Sell the 560, buy a $250 video card. Right. Right. Or sell the 560 and put that money, that 100 to 150 bucks you'll probably make off eBay yeah. towards a 770 and you don't have to worry about anything for a long time. Find a friend Find a friend who has a 560 already right. and wants to add SLI and then tell them how awesome <laughs> SLI is going to be. Give, sell them the card. And Find the chump. Don't be the chump. Yeah. If, you're, if you can't tell who the fish is, right. it's you. Um, I, I generally avoid multi-GPU systems right. at this point, unless you're really high-end and, and like that. If you're buying the highest-end cards available, then buy multi-GPU, I right. think. If, if, you, if that's not fast enough for you on its own. Right. Um, anything else? No, I think it. that's it. Uh, so that'll do it for us this week. Anything to plug, guys? Lloyd? What's, what's going on? Anything? Not too much. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Norm? Anything you want to plug? We have good E3 stuff coming up. 
Everything's um, always good. Switzerland stuff will be a couple weeks from now. Joey's off the rest of this week. Next and, week. Uh, hopefully next week or the week after. So uh, that'll do it for us. Uh, I'll have more uh, glass, living with glass stuff soon. Uh, I'm going to write that this afternoon, I hope. So uh, we'll see you guys next week with another edition of This Is Only a Test. Bye. Oh, oh, wait. Today's outro is from Paradox24. Hi there. I didn't see you. Tested. Have you fired your lassers today? Yeah. Don't lasser me. Don't tazer me. Tested. The GIF war continues.